So they announce a a remake of the big three horror icons of the 80s. Okay. So a remake of Halloween, a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, a remake of Friday the 13th. Great. Which one are you most excited for? I am most excited for... I mean, I'm most excited for the remake of Halloween. Really? If right now already? I don't know. Like they do this today? Yeah, it doesn't come out today, but they announced. No, it. yeah, the announcement comes out today. Now, all right. Yeah, I think I think so close to the Halloween franchise that we just got. What's it called? What's the uh, movie called? Halloween. What you, the I mean, movie the most recent. Yeah, Halloween ends. Okay. Yeah, is what it was. Yeah, I thought uh, you couldn't get it. You said the franchise. No, I, I just I meant yeah, yeah. like the, the trilogy. Current trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it would probably be uh, Elm Street. I mm. uh, just I don't like I, I, I don't really get Friday the Thirteenth. There's nothing interesting about Jason. Just seems, it. Just seems like Halloween, but not. He's a as brute. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a brute without the character development. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, Nightmare for sure. And I was thinking like Jason Blum, but then like, you know, he did the Halloweens. So sure. I do think James Wan is like perfect for that. Yeah, he's got he's got the silliness, the sensibilities. You know, I, even if he doesn't direct it, I would want him involved in the making of it. I think that'd be cool. We were stunt casting this, and I do like Jake Gyllenhaal for the part. Yeah, and I I think I think the Brian Tyree Henry Brian call Tyree Henry was my great. favorite. Yeah, that that's a that's a really good call. Uh, Nancy, Catherine Newton is that too is that recency bias? I no, I don't think anything coming out of Ant Man can be described as recency bias. Uh, but yeah, she'd be a great pick. Uh, anyone else jump into your head who, uh, who would like play like a teenager? Um, Dylan Galula. She cannot play. A teenager. No, not anymore. No, it's been too long. I just I I think I'm like, oh yeah, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and I'm like, well, ten years has passed. My thought was, oh yeah, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll go with Catherine Newton for now. That's good. Haley Lee Richardson would be good, but she's aging out too. I think it's good that we don't know too many very young actresses. Yeah, that's name. probably healthy. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of them are TikTok stars anyway and shit, and we don't. Sure. We don't do that. Zendaya. All right. I since we still since you're not comfortable with the transition and you've I it feels like I have to do it. Let's talk about the box office. Oh, I have to introduce the thing. Yep. There's so much to do this episode that I'm like all <laughs> over the place. Hello everyone and welcome to the 229th. Nope, that's wrong. It's the 230th episode of What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Where each week, we sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm your host, Noah. Yep. All right. I didn't I'm... put it in my folder yet. Okay. So the first one in my folder was last week's. Got it. I uh, and yeah, we've got to, we do have box offices to get to, but first, we have tops five to get to. Tops five. Uh, Ant-Man came out this weekend. We'll discuss it soon. 
the movie was disrespectful to many. We'll discuss it in, if you can see my screen, great detail. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, first of all, the movie was disrespectful to the viewer. Uh, the movie was... Di- the number one priority. <laughs> it certainly should. Uh, the movie was disrespectful to Judy Greer, okay. who we have honored in the lists uh, in the past. Uh-huh. Uh, but who we have not honored in You're the past... You're not doing Cannavale. No, I'm not. I'm doing Michael Pena. Okay, great. <laughs> I am not doing Bobby Cannavale just yet, although also disrespected by the Ant-Man sequel. Tip T.I.? Uh, yeah, I think he's earned a little bit of disrespect. Tip Harris? Yeah, sure. Uh, in, his, uh, in his comings and goings. But uh, Michael City Pena... City of San Francisco. It was in it. For a bit. Yeah, and like, it wasn't really. Yeah. But uh, Anthony. Yes, sure. Didn't he die? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, they don't kill uh, people off in these movies. That's true. Uh, they killed off... No, I won't say that. It's a spoiler. Oh, it's a spoiler? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> There's one death. Who was already dead. <laughs> it's a Pixar character. Even that character. person they brought back. I... Did he not die in the, in the other one? He wasn't in the other one. I don't know who we're talking about. All right. Uh, Michael Pena was not in this film. You're talking about that's... the new cast member who was in one scene? Ca- cast member is a strong word. You're talking about a new person who's in one scene? I'm talking about the lamp. The lava lamp? Yeah. He didn't die. He ate people. No, that wasn't a lamp. We'll talk about it later. I'm so curious. Yeah. Uh, curious? All right, fine. So Michael Pena uh, has been in many movies, and they've been good. And even when the movies aren't good, he's good in them. Uh, and I'm ranking my top five here. And speaking of movies that aren't good, but he's good in, my number five is Crash. Uh, do you okay. remember the sensation of watching the Michael Pena storyline from Crash the first time? Of course I do. This is who I thought you were talking about. Oh, I see. Yeah. No. He died. Uh, he came back. Yeah, I suppose. No, uh, I do. I remember very vividly in the theater, uh, spoilers for Crash, when um, they get shot at. Yes. And he thinks that his daughter had been shot. And it was so powerful. I can still feel that in my bones, like the like the gut punch and then the relief. Yeah, like, is that whole thing incredibly hokey? Yes, it certainly is. But it is... Is Crash good? No, Crash is bad. I haven't seen it in a while, but probably not. But Michael Pena in that movie fucking tears down the house. Matt Dillon? Okay. Matt Dillon, like, the racist molester who, like, if I... Fuck you. Michael Pena, who comes out of nowhere, who would ever heard of Michael Pena? I agree. And gives an incredible performance talking about how, like, you know, this is, like, your secret bulletproof vest wear this it'll protect you and shit and she runs to give it to him oh it's so good yeah really great yeah uh great stuff number four american hustle a movie that i have not revisited since watching it i watched it uh earlier this last year for uh the collaboration with ahmad did it hold up yeah it's good is it that's wonderful news you know, it's hard very happy to hear that Uh, i'm gonna look at my letterbox rating pretty sure it's three no you're, you're thinking of Hustle and Flow? What did you say? American Hustle. No, I haven't watched that. He's in that? <laughs> yeah. He's also not in Hustle and Flow. That's true. Uh, Hustle and Flow, though, three and a half stars. Good movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> American Hustle, can't imagine. <laughs> I, I, it, I didn't even put a lot of thought into like, oh, really? Why did why did that appear in the, in the, in the, <laughs> the hip-hop movie podcast? Yeah. 
I... Did they mention like Sly in the Family Stone or something? <laughs> um, I couldn't. I couldn't Maybe even... there's like a a sequence, a montage that's set to. I couldn't even begin cool to tell the gang. you if I thought that if if that movie is good or not right now. I uh, yeah. Who's who knows? Who will ever know? Will I watch it again? Maybe not. Uh, but really enjoyed it at the time. I guess I would. I'm, I'm checking to see if I uh, ranked it anywhere. Uh, while you're looking, I'll go on to my number three, which is really a rating of his performance. Cause, uh, oh, interesting. The original Ant-Man is like, it's a good movie. It's fun. We all have a good time. Uh, but Michael Pena's appearance in Ant-Man yes. uh, is just, once again, the man comes out and is like, oh, the best part of the movie. Yeah. Oh, a movie star is born again. We all know him and like him now, but still, uh, setting the world on fire with his appearance as an Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2. He also does, and yeah, Ant-Man 2, I was going to say, he's a great Not Quantumania. No. My only, uh, I typed in American Hustle into Facebook, which is where I would have posted my top sure. movies back then. Um, and the only thing that comes up for posts for me, and I'll look in notes, I guess, I don't know how to do that, but... Uh, from January 16th, 2014, my, I guess, status, more in-depth reactions coming later, but for now, here's a brief analysis of the Oscar nominations. No love for Saving Mr. Banks, much love for Dallas Buyers Club, too much love for American Hustle? So I guess I thought it was okay or All right. good. Yeah, <laughs> good at best. Yeah. Uh, number two is the opposite. This is really more of a ranking of the movie than Pena's performance because he doesn't really get to bring his energy to this too much. Mm -hmm. And it's such an ensemble piece that very few people truly get to stand out in this movie. But you can't deny The Martian. Oh, uh, yeah. One of the great uh, one of the great pieces of popcorn entertainment. Of course, it's so good. Of, uh, of its decade. So good. Uh, number one is a movie that we know and love is both a great movie and a great Michael Pena performance and not just a fun one, but like a good one, a well-rounded one. Uh, and it's end of watch. Yeah. Not so much a fun one. No. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like he brings energy to it. Yes. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not sort of just like he's a stoic pilot for NASA. One that uh, I'm kind of worrying about revisiting just because of who made it, but air yeah yeah well yeah well but maybe he had a good one in him yeah that's it's it's happened uh he also made fury let's talk about the actual box office uh your top five this week (laughs) before we just get on to david air for a while uh ant-man and the wasp colon quantumania (laughs) opened at number one followed by avatar the way of water magic mike's last dance puss in boots the last wish and knock at the cabin. Did you know it's called that because at the end of the dance he dies? Yeah. 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 Uh, unlike anyone in Quantumania. He has a, he has a dick attack. His dick's too hard that it explodes and he dies. It's uh it's, I happens. Mean, it's not funny. It's happened it's happened before and it'll happen not again. Funny. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania made $105.5 million this weekend. Isn't oh, that crazy? Alrighty. It was That's also, in the three-day, by the way. It's, it a it's a something weekend. of a holiday weekend. So it's 120 yeah. overall. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's the third best February and President's Day opening after Black Panther and Deadpool, uh, which were way over. I mean, Black Panther was like two over 250 maybe i don't know 220 and um 
Deadpool is 150. It's the best Ant-Man opening. The first one opened to 57. Second one was 76. Around 250 for the worldwide debut. China was way down from the sequel and the projections. Uh, per deadline, the film was 13% ahead of the first and 27% behind the second film. Taking China out of the equation for all three of those weekends, this was 52% ahead of the first one and 5% ahead of the second film. So that was a 32% swing. Uh, so the Chinese result really hurt it. B Cinema Score, which is tied with Eternals for the lowest for the MCU. Reviews and word of mouth didn't seem to hurt uh, the opening weekend so much as it did hit its projections. Plus, the Sunday gross is most likely a bit spread out with Monday due to people taking off work. Uh, so essentially, it could go one of two ways. It could be that Sunday was spread out because people thought, oh, we don't have to rush out to see it Sunday. Monday we, we have free, so we'll just do it then. Or more people went on Sunday because they were like, I don't have work tomorrow. I can go see a movie. Um, but I think that it could help the film next weekend drop uh, just bad as opposed to just disastrous. It's not going to be a good drop, but it might help it cushion it a little bit. The week after next is going to tell the tale as the film runs into a very crowded march with Creed 3, Scream 6, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, and John Wick Chapter 4 hitting in four consecutive weekends. Why nothing moved to January where Scream 5 thrived or February where John Wick Chapter 2 thrived is fucking beyond me. And if Hollywood really wants to build the box office back, you need to find space. You need to find... You, I don't have find written anywhere on there, and yet I've said it twice. You need to space the movies out and get people in the habit of seeing them all year round, every few weeks or so. The average moviegoer before the pandemic only went to the movies maybe three times a month. Releasing big movies back to back to back to back, not including 65 and Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which are also coming out in March, forces people to pick and choose what to see in theaters. The average Joe isn't going to the movies five weekends in a row. It's a horrible decision, and if some of these movies don't succeed the way they think they will, cough, Shazam, John Wick, cough, we get more and more articles about how people aren't going to the movies as much, which we already know because they don't go every weekend, and then studios decide less movies get funded or they go to streaming and it's a vicious cycle that is easily avoidable. Anyway, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania merely needs to double its current gross to become the highest grossing Ant-Man film in North America, and it'll do that. Worldwide, passing the 623 total of the second remains for now an open question. Ant-Man isn't a huge character for the MCU, and I'm sorry, but regular folks really don't care about Kang right now and more likely, don't understand his deal, what with all the variants and whatnot. I don't really get it yet. I, I was I was going to say, can I, I, can I throw today. my hat in with the regular Joes? I did some research today. I can tell you a little bit about it. Um, so let's not scream failure if the film doesn't cross $300 million here in North America. Now, if it doesn't cross $250 million, well... I do think it's a... It's good. To, it's good to focus on the strong opening weekend. You know, we had we had discussed uh, recently about how a a third movie in a franchise just rarely continues growth in this way. Something we'll uh, talk about a lot in the coming uh, weeks. Yeah, there is a uh, there is a big groundswell of uh, Marvel fatigue mm -hmm. continuing to grow. Yep. Uh, the reviews for this movie were not good, and. Yet it still 
is the most successful Ant-Man opening weekend. Yeah. And so there is there is something to be said for that. Uh, the huge drop off is that we're thinking that's just because of the because uh, of the reviews because of the the state of it. The drop off next weekend. Not even talking about March. Yeah, yeah. I think word yeah. of mouth. I mean, listen, the cinema score, the reviews, word of mouth seemed iffy, and yet the film didn't drop so steeply on Saturday and on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So maybe the early people that went out um, didn't like it, and critics didn't like it. Maybe the families are enjoying it. Who yeah. you know don't go out Thursday night and don't go out Friday night, but go Saturday at two p.m. Yeah. Uh, as far as the whole March thing goes, like Ant Man's definitely running into a buzzsaw there. I do kind of find myself uh, looking at it through a slightly more selfish lens. Well, you're very uh, selfish. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been told. Yeah. I just that like, who look at all these movies? <laughs> Every, everywhere I look, there's fun movies coming out that I want to see. And that's uh, that's neat and exciting. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree that it does not seem like the most prudent business decision. I uh, and no, it's not, <laughs> and it makes me crazy. Sure, uh, it's I'm going to crazy. be fun though. It's going to be fun for us. It's not going to be fun when movies don't do well, and then people are like, "Well, I don't know." Theatrical movie going is down. It's like, yeah, because you're shoving everything in at once, man. Come on. Yeah. You get a Thanksgiving dinner. You don't just put your mouth up to the plate and shove all the food in. You eat it one at a time. Maybe a few things. Dip the turkey in mashed potatoes. That'd be fun. A little two-weekend boom. Some some uh, uh, um, uh, counter-programming, if you will. But I'm not going mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, smooshing my hand, shoving my mouth. But the next morning, you are making a sandwich out of all of those things. What is that in relation to? <laughs> I'm not really tracking the metaphor. I'm just hungry now. You're not tracking my uh, metaphor? You're... No, I, no oh, I'm God, not. I you're, you're not my part of it yeah, gotcha. is not right, tracking right. as such. Uh, it's just the case that you talk about. You don't cram all the Thanksgiving things together. And my mind goes, ah, but next day sandwich. <laughs> That's true. When everything does go onto There's one of the leftover rolls. at some point. I, but yeah, I can't really draw a parallel exactly to what's going on there. I just, it's just, it's could be very bad. That's all. I hope it's not. Yeah. Avatar, the way of water. I uh, never very bad. Only good. Uh, $6.4 million. Never very bad. A 10.6% drop uh, is up to 657 altogether. All right. So I'm going to talk about this and uh, Titanic in the same breath. And you'll find out why in a second, but. Titanic, which um, is in seventh place, it dropped sixty-four percent. Two million dollars this weekend. It's at about thirteen. Yeah, it's a harsh fall, but uh, it makes sense as the film is twenty-five years old and already had one very successful re-release in twenty twelve. First time it was shown in three D during the three D boom. $57 $57 million domestic, $350 million worldwide. Holy shit. For that re-release of Titanic. That's so many. Uh, still, it'll take in more than $50 million worldwide for this re-release, and it's fucking incredible on the big screen. So I say just keep doing this every five years so I can see it on the big screen again. Now, for Avatar, which, as you said, is in second place. It dropped 10%. It's around 58 uh, 6.58 domestic. We're leveling off again. That's a small little drop. Sure is. 
And in a very fun bit of trivia, the 2022 James Cameron film that is currently in theaters has passed the 1997 James Cameron film that is currently in theaters worldwide for the third spot. So Avatar has overtaken Titanic worldwide, and they're both in theaters making money. Also, the 2022 James Cameron 3D three-hour water-based epic starring Kate Winslet that is currently playing in theaters is only $14 million away from passing the 1997 James Cameron 3D three-hour water-based epic starring Kate Winslet that is currently playing in theaters for the title of the eighth biggest film domestically. And while both films are still making money, it's pretty much a sure thing that Avatar will pass Titanic. But just very strange. Yeah. All the parallels between the two movies and the fact that they are chasing each other. One is trying to be the other and the other one's in theaters trying to stop it. It's really fun stuff that I don't think has ever happened in the current box office era. It seems very unlikely and is uh, just one one more small data point for me to point to when the next Avatar comes out. Uh, and I'm arguing in favor of the, like, yeah, James Cameron is different. He's just got... He's just got something else going on about him. We'll find out in two years. If, we will. If I, I've, I will continue to say, if Avatar 3 does this kind of thing, I will concede that, yes. Because okay. then there will be no outside factors. You know what I mean? Then it's just a regular movie, the next movie in a franchise, coming out a normal amount of time, you know? And so, yes, if, if 3 does the same, then yeah, I agree. Okay. I... Speaking of threes, Magic Mike 3, Magic Mike's Last Dance, uh, came out with $5.4 million this weekend. That was a 34.3% drop. It's up to $18 million. Okay, so for some stupid reason, Warner Brothers essentially dumped this last weekend into less than 1,900 theaters, claiming it was so they could target theaters and markets that favor this type of film and build demand for those cinemas. Magic Mike is out. Cool. Where? I desperately want to see it and will do anything to do so. The nearest theaters across town, past three other theaters that are more convenient to get to. Well, what are we going to do? Not go? But we all know they did it because Warner Brothers has a cash flow issue that is severely hurting the marketing of their films. Boy, they must be praying every day that Shazam breaks huge so they can market their summer slate. And boy, do I have some bad news for them. Then for Valentine's Day, they added 680 screens, and the film made about $2 million last Tuesday. Now, because they think word of mouth has increased demand, they doubled the screen count, and it sort of worked. The film dropped a small amount, but the gross isn't there. We're at $20 million domestic, 38 worldwide, which is less than half of the gross of the second film at the same point domestically, which itself fell into the Ted Trap, which is... The second movie, uh, the first movie overperforming, and the second movie kind of doing what the first movie should have. Yeah, the first Magic Mike, the second Magic Mike made sixty-six million dollars domestic and one hundred and seventeen, and it's like, yeah, that's what a drama starring Channing Tatum should make. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, not a hundred and you know twenty or something. The film was budgeted for streaming, cost forty-five million dollars, which is most likely due to the fact that it included the estimated back-end pay for the creatives. You want to take a shot at what that is for the consumers? Uh, yeah, that's consumers. when... I guess you can yeah, the consumers. Yeah, the consumers. Yeah. That's basically when you get a, a, a certain percentage of the 
a profit of a movie rather than just getting a salary to make it. Right. And so you do get a salary, but it's less and you're kind of banking on the fact that it's going to make more money. It's a way for studios to just keep the budget down. Yeah. And it's also incentive for the stars to go on all the talk shows and promote it on their social media. But why would they pay it out early? Uh, because streaming movies don't have that. Because the film was initially streaming. Yeah. It was, it was made for HBO Max. And then the new head of HBO came in, or Warner Brothers came in and said, no, only theatrical. Um, but yeah, that's why. So it, it seems like it costs a lot, but I doubt it costs as much as that. Um, but because of that, we really can't compare that to the gross, but it's not a hit. And I think it could have been a fairly huge hit if given the shot and brought back like any of the supporting cast. That would have been interesting. It's not hard to gauge that part of the fun of these films was also seeing Matthew McConaughey, Alex Pettifer, Joe Manganiello, Matt Boomer, Kevin Nash, Donald Glover, among other fun names, get naked too. But what the hell do I know? Not as much as Warner and Warner. (laughs) If you're going to say that you're championing the theatrical experience and only focus on delivering the big screen goods and are through with straight-to-streaming titles, then stop treating your movies like you have to dump them in theaters just to boost the recognition so when they come to streaming, they're more valuable on your service. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like a mess over there. And it's a big mess. I think, you know, we talk, we talk about the cash flow problems, and those definitely exist uh, and are a cause of the things that they're doing. But then you, just, you look at... The fact that this weekend they put it out in 3,000 theaters anyway. Yeah, they could have done it. Like, it just, it could have been done. They and they don't have a lot of cash, but they had enough. I know. And what they say is, like, what, well, here's the thing, right? They didn't have the money to market it. So if they put it into 3,000 theaters, your average is, well, what it is now. Yeah. But $1,800. They put it be a little more because it's the first weekend. But last weekend's per theater average was $5,000. So... But they could have they could have split the difference and put this movie out in twenty four hundred sure. theaters from the get go and just had a success. How many screens is it in right now? It is currently in three thousand thirty four. That would have been opening weekend of fifteen million dollars if it had the per theater average last week. And yeah, it opened in that. That's still not great, but. Yeah, and it was almost like they thought that, in my mind, they just, like, balked. And they were like, we're opening in a small amount of theaters. Oops, that didn't work. Let's push it. It's just out. But, like, there's no marketing behind it. Yeah. It's a a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Uh, Not a mess. An unqualified huge success story for the ages is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which made $5.3 million this weekend. That was a 4.8. Yes, I said 4.8. That's 4.8% drop. It's up to $166.1 million. It's also up to four twenty three worldwide. Uh, that was its lowest drop. I just looked. It, it, it went up. It, the last holiday weekend it was on was Martin Luther King weekend, and it went up 6.8. But it, uh, it, 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 that's the lowest drop we've had for the movie. And it's crazy. Um... I saw someone uh, say that it could be dream. It could beat the Crude's 187 to be DreamWorks' highest-grossing original live-action movie in like years and years, and it still could do it. It's it's just wild. We've talked about it a lot. Yeah, we got a big show. Go ahead. Uh, number five is Knock the Cabin, which made 3.9 million this week. 
26.8% drop. It's up to 30.4. In opening, uh, a movie so disappointing, apparently, that M. Night Shyamalan left Universal and signed a deal with Warner Brothers. Why yeah. anyone would sign a deal with <laughs> Warner Brothers right now is beyond me. But he uh, he left them. He got a new agent. And I was like, really? <laughs> Universal was great for you, buddy. They did uh, uh, The Village, your split stuff. You're working with Jason Blum. Like, all right. Um, this movie dropped a thousand theaters this weekend. That's a lot. Well, they had to make it. They had to give them all the magic mic. I guess. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of theaters, and yet it didn't drop a whole lot, which is interesting. By yeah. The way. But no, it's not doing great. It's got thirty-one, just under fifty um, worldwide. What are you gonna do? All right. As far as Spotlight's only one I have is a man called Otto, which finally crossed sixty million dollars this weekend, and is a week or so, maybe less away from crossing a hundred million worldwide. Wow! We'll talk about it again soon. No, 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 no. This will be <laughs> okay. For a man called Otto. Well, good for Otto. Very cool. All right. I uh, is it time to play everybody's favorite game? Please. Did I'm tired of it. Make talking. more or less than. That was good. That worked. That's how you say, uh, you say I'm tired of talking. Yeah, so. good, good. We all know how to play. I named three movies, and you list them in order. Which ones made more and which ones made less at the box office? For a bonus point, you can tell me the following. The year in question. All movies come from the same year. One of the movies opening weekend totals within $3 million. And a different movie's final gross within $3 million. Are you ready to play? Yeah. Your three films for this week's game. I'm trying to I'm trying to come for you. You've been crushing this game so far. Come for me. That's Your really three nice. films are Friends with Benefits, uh-huh. The Lincoln Lawyer, yeah. and Source Code. Friends with Benefits, The Lincoln Lawyer, and Source Code. So we're looking at 2011? That's correct. So far, so good. Now, Brian, order those movies. Friends with Benefits, The Lincoln Lawyer, Source Code. I'm going to go with Source Code, The Lincoln Lawyer, Friends with Benefits. That's most to least? Yeah. None of those are correct. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Lincoln Lawyer, Source Code, and Friends with... No, no, it would have to be The Lincoln Lawyer, Friends with Benefits, and Source Code was the lowest grossing? It was, yes. I thought it was a nice little... It might still be a nice little hit. I thought... That Friends with Benefits disappointed more than I'm guessing it did. In my mind, Source Code's a $60 million movie. Okay. And Friends with Benefits is like 52. I could be wrong. All right. Opening weekend. Yeah, you can still still get your two bonus points and and win this. I will. Uh, Source Code. I remember within $3 million. Yeah, so 20. No. Was it 14? 14. Fuck! <laughs> it was not the hit I thought it was. Oh! And I knew it. And as soon as you said no, I was like, am I flashed in my... As soon as I said 20, I was like, <gasps> was it 14? It was exactly 14. It is funny 8. that you said no, and I knew about it. Yeah. the exact right number. Oh, no. It was 14 instead. Yeah. All right. Lincoln Lawyer, final gross. Uh, what I said that's the most that we decided? Uh, we did decide that's the most. All yes. right. That was... Uh, Jesus Christ. Gnostic was source code. 42. 
No, you got to do a different one. Fuck. What was that? You got to do Lincoln Lawyer or Friends of Benefits. Was that close to 42? Not really. Friends with Benefits, 62. No. <laughs> 55.8. Oh, I wasn't even in the 60s. <laughs> no. I, those movies were all very close to each other in grosses. You, you did try to trip me up then. Yeah, I mean, like, these, these, these aren't necessarily uh, further apart. Much or much closer than other weeks. Like last last week, for instance, the spread was seven million dollars from most to least. Yeah, that's. Uh, he th- and you got five points on that one. So this one was a spread of about uh, four million dollars. But you got Lincoln Lawyer was a fifty-eight million. Friends with Benefits fifty-five, and Source Code was fifty-four. All right. All right. I. Uh, Looking back at your scores for the past weekends to remind myself to not rest on my laurels here. Uh, come and gone from a theater near you, Brian. Are ready to go back in time? Yeah. Uh, we're going back to the year 2016. Okay. This is President's Day weekend, 2016, uh, February 12th. Uh, there is uh, one major release here. It came, uh, came out number one. Uh, you can, Deadpool. as ever. Sorry? Deadpool. Correct. Uh, you can, as ever, do the three-day or the holiday, one as you like. 152 came up my research for Ant-Man. Uh, yes, one, anyway. 152 is yeah. the uh, the President's Day total. Yeah. There are two other films that came out this weekend that uh, are the kinds of movies that if either was to be released today uh, would make, make about $6 million. They wouldn't make any money. And they both made... Uh, in that context, a shocking amount of money coming out at three and four. All right. Give me some clues. Uh, we're looking. Uh, I'll start with the number four movie because I, I know like what it is. Uh, we're looking for a comedy sequel. Why did I say that? Uh, okay. A, um, uh, a belated comedy sequel. Uh, we'll, oh, uh, Barbershop 3? No. Do we see it? I did not. Did I see it? I feel like you would have watched this, but not in not, a way of like, oh, I think this, I'm excited to see this. Yeah, More just, just oh, in like Zoolander a, too. Yeah. Terrible movie. I just, God damn it, it's so funny. I just read our worst of list a few weeks ago for this year, and that was yeah. on my list. Okay. Worst of movies of the year. Yeah, 14. Uh, yes, that was, sorry, I navigated away to look up what this other movie is. Uh, yeah, Zoolander 2 made... What a huge disappointment. 13.8 in the uh, Oh, in I didn't the talk about Marlowe. 15.8. Marlowe opened this weekend. It didn't yeah. make any money. No. Uh, Zoolander 2 is so funny because... Well, no, it's not funny. Uh, my mom and I love the first one. I love the first one. Have you seen the first one the whole way through? No. Okay. You might like the first one. Who knows? Um, here's who is credited on writing this. Okay, First of all, here's the cast, right? Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Will Ferrell, Penelope Cruz, Kristen Wiig, Fred Armisen, Kyle Mooney, Mila Jolovich, Christine Taylor, Justin Theroux, uh, Billy Zane's back, John Daly, Sting, Benedict Cumberbatch plays a non-binary fashion model, very problematic now. There's a bunch of cameos, okay? okay? A bunch of cameos. It was written by Justin Theroux, Ben Stiller, Nick Stoller, who you know. Yes. I don't need to give you his filmography. No. And John Hamburg, who 
Uh, Starred in the German adaptation of Mad Men. No, who wrote and directed Along Came Polly, I Love You Man. Um, he was a director on New Girl, uh, Undeclared. Stacked writing. Yeah. It's awful. So disappointing. Yeah, I... What's the wasn't, wasn't going to be for me. And number three this weekend was a, uh, a romantic comedy. How to be single. Yep. I just, I must have just looked around on this. I guess. I... That one was actually cute, as I recall. Was it? Didn't yeah. see it. The, you know what it is? There's a great, there's a great moment in it. First of all, Dakota Johnson could do comedy. She should. Okay. Great moment in it where she sits in it. She gets into a cab and she sits in a cab. And she says, she's like, I don't know, confident about something. And the guy goes, where to? And she looks at him and she, the music's swelling and she goes, home. She looks out the window and there's a beat and he just goes, bitch, I don't know where the fuck you live. <laughs> and she's like, oh, right. Uh, and he, and he, he, she says her address. It's great. That's good. It's a great moment. It's a, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good movie. Okay. From what I recall. It's nice. All right. How to do. Opened two. Wait, what slot is that in? Can you third. tell me that? Yeah, third. So that's the, that's Zoolander was two. Zoolander was four. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, God, I go. I'll say eighteen. I'll go a little high. Yeah, for the, the benefit uh, of the doubt. For the for the holiday weekend, it made nineteen point nine. Boy, it would never do that. Man. I know twenty million dollars for How to Be Single. You out of your mind? Yeah. Uh, Leslie Mann, Rebel Wilson. Yeah, Allison Brie. Allison Brie. It's a good. It's a good group of people in that movie. It's a good group of people. It's got a nice. Um, how to like a, like I think Manzukis is in it for a second. Let's see. I've got it. Uh, I've got it up here. Yeah, Manzukis is there. Jake Lacey, uh, Damon Wayans Jr. Nicholas, Nicholas Braun, your boy. Yeah. Uh, Colin Jost. I. Uh, yeah. 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 A lot of Damon Wayans Jr. Yeah, it's a lot of good uh, stuff. It's a good one. I'd like to watch that at some point. All right. That's it? That's it. Oh, that great. was the weekend. Hey, listen, everybody. We got a special feature. Award season is in full fucking swing. Um, and so each week, we're going to have a different aspect of award season. We're going to, uh, of course, the Oscars are in four weeks. The week before that, our best films of the year. The week before that, our worst films of the year. And this week, we go through the categories the Oscars rejected. We said, please use these. They said, stop calling us. How did you get this number? And then year after year, fewer and fewer people watch their fucking show. Yeah, so who was why. right? I wonder why. Um, something we call the B-Sides. The, this is actually the ninth annual Podcademy Award B-Sides. That's about great. That? This, is, this is among my favorite shows of the year. <laughs> this, is, uh, we, this is a lot of fun. We used to have a ton more categories. We did two years of best comedy, best action film. Three years of the most overrated stats. Yeah. Three years of the most overrated film of the year, most likely to be made into a TV show in 20 years. Four years of the best romance, inevitable sequel I'm most looking forward to, misleading title, all these kind of stuff. But because we added it to this podcast, we decided to trim it down. So we only have a few categories. Um, I think we should do uh, maybe best scene for the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I think we always cap it on best scene. Let's start with. Uh, best debut of the year. And I know and I don't know what we picked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will let you know some previous winners in this category. Uh, I had um, Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. You had Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird. Um, last year, my award went to Rachel Zegler and West Side Story. And yours went to Alana Heim and Licorice Pizza. Great picks both. 
This year, this was a no-brainer. Yeah, we're both we're both going to have the same answer. Well, here. actually, there's two, and I I decided to choose one. I was going to put him as a pair. Okay. And then I took one out, so I'm not doing Frankie Corio. My best debut of the year is Charlotte Wells. Yeah, for writing, director, and directing, uh, writer and director. Excuse of me. After Sun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a no-brainer. It's among the best movies of the year, and it's just kind of like a, a shockingly complete thought. So for assured. Someone's so first movie. Assured, yeah. Uh, just incredibly excited to see what comes next for Charlotte Wells. Yeah, uh, it's such a ass- confident piece of work. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, just wonderful. I really got to uh, got to revisit this one before uh, before awards night, I guess. But Frankie Corio was on my list as well. Yeah, yeah, and she and she night. she was great as uh, as the star of the film. All right, let's go to best uh, character of the year. Okay. Say, uh, past winners have been. Uh, Ricky Baker, Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, Ava in Ex Machina. And we agreed one year Howard Ratner and Uncut Gems got our award. Oh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a good call. We've agreed on Best Debut of the Year now three times. Bo Burnham for Eighth Grade and Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film. Okay. Last year, my pick for best character of the year was a tie. It went, I cheated a little, went to Gary Valentine and Alana Heim for Licorice Pizza, and you stuck with just Alana Kang and Licorice Pizza. You just went with one. Yeah. Uh, who's this year's pick for you, Noah? For oh, me, man. this is also a no-brainer. Uh, so I do uh, apologize to you, the statistician, for having to uh, note this down oh, <laughs> for later. No. Oh, no. I... Uh, and I also apologize to the great nation of Ireland for what I'm about to say. Uh, the best character of the year was Padrick Shulevan. I was uh, going to write. Pa- is Padrick P-O-D-R-I-C-K? Uh, no, it's P-A-D-R-A-I-C. And there's an accent over the first A. I won't be doing that. Um, this is Colin Farrell's character in the Banshees of Inisherin. That's a really good choice, actually. I like that a lot. Thank you very much. I find his whole uh, motivation just incredibly compelling. Uh, the way he is torn between just just being a good guy. Uh, not not very important to note your stereotypical nice guy. He's not even trying is what's so fascinating about it. You know, he's not going around going, I have to be nice. He just yeah. is. That's yeah. his way. Yeah. He's just, he's just uh, a non-offensive human. Yeah. He is just dim and pleasant and good, yes. but like he is, he's also, he's rude and like shitty to people. Sometimes he is a, uh, a normal and complex person, but just that that driving factor of like he is not he is not driven he is not ambitious he is not seeking uh, any sort of uh, praise or clamor or riches or mm. anything he's just trying to live a life with a friend or two and is just a just a deeply compelling person to watch go about it I think it's a great choice I'm I always had one name on here. I had two. I also had um, Evelyn and everything ever all at once. Okay. But Podrick is a wonderful choice. I going with, I going with, um, for me, there's only, it's just one option. It's the person that sparked an actual debate of, is this a biopic? 
and it's Lydia Tar in Tar. Oh yeah, yeah. It had people actually confused as to whether this person was real or not. And sure, that's a credit to Kate Blanchett's wonderful performance, and and but it's Todd Field's creation of this so annoying, so grating, so evil, and yet endlessly watchable. You just want to be in her presence, but never talk to her. You know what I mean? Yeah. You always want to be in the room with her and listen to her confidently spew bullshit out of her mouth, but you never want to actually say hi. And for a two and a half hour movie, that's such a delicate tightrope to balance and they do it so well. And the journey that he takes her on, I should have, I should have wrote Linda tar. I think that would have been more for me, (laughs) but I wrote Lydia, 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 um, and, uh, just in the, I think the most interesting, uh, character drawn this year. Yeah. I, that is, a, that is a great call. She is a, a very, uh, a very complexly realized person. Oh yeah. I... Moving down the list. Most deserving of a sequel. It won't get. This is an inter- interesting one. I had. Uh, a bit of a tough time until I came across the winner and I thought, you know, not only is there at least a sequel and like yeah. maybe a trilogy in this movie, but the, the format of the title is just so suited to it. I, so I, I, I don't know if I was going to get the first go on here, but I've just started. jumped right go in. Ahead. Let's do it. Uh, the answer is Emily, the criminal. Oh, what would you call it? Emily uh, the warlord. <laughs> Now, I mean, I don't know that it'd go so far as Warlord, but uh, Emily, the uh, Emily, the mastermind, uh, Emily, the villain, uh, fugitive. Emily, the fugitive. She's in Mexico. Yeah. Spoiler, uh, sorry. I, so sorry. Everyone should watch it. Yes. But she is in Mexico. There's there's a bunch of different ways it could go. Yeah. Uh, I like it, it. it could be a, a, a redemption story. For Emily, it could be a continued slide into evil for Emily, mm-hmm. uh, and either oh, one Emily I would be. Informant? Sure, could be, so you get her in a moral quandary. Yeah, uh, I'm very much into uh, anything they would do with that character next. It's a wonderful movie that I don't think I'll be talking about uh, during our run, <laughs> ever again <laughs> during our run here. So I do want to mention that it feels so in the vein of like a really low budget. Um, 90s thriller that you just see at Blockbuster all the time and everyone yeah. around you is like, you should really rent that. And you're always like, eh, probably. But you should watch it. It's pulpy. It's, you know, uncle- it's not clean in the sense that, like, it's morals and the storytelling. It's just so good. And Arbery Plaza's fucking fantastic. So that's a good call. Um, I had two on here pretty much from the beginning. And uh, truly, because they both came out in May. But I had uh, the second Bob's Burgers movie, which is what okay. I would call it. Okay, sure. I just don't see it happening, and that's a shame because I really, really loved the first one. I thought it was perfect for that franchise. Instead, I'm going with a movie that I desperately think should happen. It just works so perfectly. It makes too much sense not to do it, and it is, of course, Downton Abbey colon A Christmas Farewell. Every show, that is, every British show ends with a Christmas special why every series ends with a Christmas special. Why not a film series? Yeah. This one didn't do as well. Fine. That's I think partially because everyone was, first of all, they didn't add anything to it. The, the, she, the sheen of a, of a Downton Abbey movie wore off, but 
also maybe a lot of adults were seeing Top Gun. I don't know. But it is just so ripe to have one last movie be around Christmas time, release it around Christmas as counter-programming. I want to see those people again, Noah. I want to see them again. And uh, and so that's why Downton Abbey of Christmas Farewell is my pick. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right. And I also think, you know, speaking of the, uh, the Ted trap, as we did earlier, like Downton Abbey 2 did well, as I recall. It did do it the did, Ted, yes, correct. It didn't do as well as the first one, but the first one was like a huge hit. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's I think that's justified, and I think I think you're right that it probably won't happen, but like maybe hold out a little bit of hope. But don't we love those characters? Yes, so much? yes, certainly do. I'm not done with them. All right, most uh, sorry, best movie not nominated for an Oscar. This was initially not nominated for anything. Yes, and then we we realized that. Well, I think I realized that Noah's not going to be like looking over like the Globes and the SAG Awards. I, I've I've done that. Every year, oh well, we I've changed it, to and I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell you what. Every year, I come into this because I still have it listed as best movie not nominated for anything, mm-hmm. and I forget what our cutoff is <laughs> for anything. So I'll, I'll usually come in with two answers. Sure, I'll have like this movie's not nominated for any of the major awards, but like maybe it is nominated for like a lesser guild or the an PGA. independent spirit yeah, or whatever. Right, right. And then I'll also come in with a movie that's just not nominated for Dick. Yeah. Uh, in this case, my, I, my top answer qualified for both. It's probably the same one. Um, past winners, we both agreed Clouds of Salz Maria. We agreed twice. And last year, Come On, Come On uh, was our pick. Uh, we might have the same one. You don't think? I No, I don't think so. I think this my, my answer is a little farther down on your okay. list than it is mine, which is not to say that you're not fond of the movie, because sure. I think you are quite a bit, but All right, well then, not quite as much I'm going to go first. Mine is a very simple phrase. Nope. Okay. That's my top. That's, that's the best movie not nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. I'll probably be talking about it more in a few weeks, but it is the quintessential thinking man's blockbuster. To me, it is an evolution of Steven Spielberg in many ways, the kind of uh, a movie that goes for spectacle as well as um, moral quandaries and gray areas and makes you think and makes you question. I think that that's a lot of Spielberg's early work. Um, and uh, it just was one of the best looking movies of the year. Yeah, I think, I think if we had a a category on here for most deserving of the Oscar nomination it didn't get, Mm -hmm. uh, nope would be my answer. For what? Ah, shit. I don't know. Production design, let's say. Uh, I mean, I I feel like there's eight things that you could have nominated nope for an Oscar for. I think I I have it. I'll I'll tell you how many categories I have it in, but um, certainly for me, the cinematography is just... So good. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a great and distinct movie, and you know we don't have to do this again. But like, you don't have to nominate All Quiet on the Western Front for everything. Yeah, or you know any of the other technical. I feel like there's seven movies that got nominated for all of the Below the Line awards. I have it in five. Okay, I'll go mm-hmm. bottom to top. I have it in original score. Okay. I have it in visual effects, best sound, uh, best cinematography, and Daniel Kaluuya best actor. Yeah, and those are uh, those are all all great. Great calls. What about you? Uh, my best movie, not nominated for anything, is Barbarian. Okay, yeah. Sure. A, a wow, that's really high on your list then. A thrilling horror movie that 
is one of those one of those experiences. I feel like every year there's at least one movie that cements its spot on my list because when I leave the theater, I'm buzzing. I'm just buzzing, like, Jerry. I'm just like that was fucking thrilling. Like I came in wanting to love that, and I just fucking did. And Barbarian just crushed that feeling for me this year. It was so much fun. It was so like just just distinct and unique enough while also being just so clearly what it is. You see the trailer and it's like, oh, there's a house and there's tunnels underneath and that's bad. And it was. Uh, but then there's there's just enough of a sprinkle of uh, of personality and of a good deal of humor. And it, he, he got a huge deal. That writer-director from New Line. Yeah. Huge. Good. For his next movie. Huge. Deal. Earned every dollar. One of the biggest in recent history. I, that, that's, that's terrific news. Uh, and yeah, I love I love Barbarian. I I would absolutely recommend going into it as blind as you can if you haven't seen it for some reason. I would agree with that as well. I I was less on it than you, less high on it. I think that the I wanted one more shoe to drop, and um, I I just wasn't a fan with some of the turns that it took. But certainly that first half of that movie is straight awesome. Yeah. Uh, Everything before the flash, the the Justin Long interlude is an all timer. The just first appearance of the creature, the the going down into the thing. It's just it all. The first opening scene with her and Sarsgard, it works. It all works. And um, and then I have some issues, but I would certainly say it's for sure worth a look. Um, and I would definitely go and know it as little as possible. It's fun. Yeah. All righty, let's jump around and let's go to worst part of a good movie. All right. We're going to save our named categories for right before the end. Love that. Uh, Noah, what yeah. do you have? I This was tough for me. This and worst scene was tough. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, worst scene, oh, we'll get we'll get there. We'll that get was that. that was the biggest lock of uh, of the night for Ooh, me. Wow. Uh, worst part of a good movie is uh, maybe maybe a little a little more conceptual of an answer for mine is year. as well a little, little, little bit cheating but I, that, I cheat all the time I, yeah I, I think especially with these categories you get to play around a little bit uh and i chose the fact that prey only exists on hulu uh prey was such a good predator movie it was so much fun it was just it was tight and it was thrilling and i loved watching it and it's such a bummer that it couldn't come out in theaters. Oh, it it could have. Yes, yes. Couldn't is not the right word. That <laughs> August it was, was a dead zone, baby. It was delegated to not come out in theaters by the powers that be. Uh, and it's just, it's such a shame. Because, like, would it have made money? I don't know. Probably not. Like, truth, truth be told, probably not. But it could have had a chance. If Bullet Train can make 103 while being garbage, Prey could have made like 50. This is true. This is a good point. Uh, and it's just, it's a shame we didn't get to find out. All right. My runner up is lack of creative deaths in X. I just think that it, I wanted like cool kills and there really were not any at all. Okay. And that was a problem for me. All right. I loved X, but Kid Cudi's death off screen. Stabbed in the eye. Kind of see it. Shotgun the head from far away. It just wasn't a lot there. Um, they did have the dance, 
in front of the car with the blood. Yeah. Very cool. Outstanding. But I I also I think I give a lot more credence to that pitchfork business than you do. Well, I think it's because I missed it somehow in the theater. That's how quick it was. I just didn't see it happen. Um, mine is also, uh, as you said, uh, theoretical. It is the fact that Scream may be the last time we see Sidney Prescott take on Ghostface. That was the worst part of a good movie. Okay. Because now I watch that and I go, son of a bitch. Pay her, her. Guess what? It might be the worst part of a good movie this year. The Scream Six is good. Yeah, that's how much Sydney Prescott is Scream. Pay her her money. Let me. Uh, what could Nev Campbell have asked for? Five million dollars? <laughs> like, well, she's not asking like twelve. If she is, then all right, well, let's talk yeah. about it. But like, just pay her. Anyway. Let me posit this: if it is the the worst part of a good movie this year again, uh-huh. I, I, I'd, I'd maybe consider disqualifying it from your list. You don't think it's a good answer? Maybe, I, maybe I think it's a great. I think it's a great answer this year. Mm. I'm just saying, two years in a row. Well, listen. Though maybe that's the way to make the point. Do you, Do you find that a the repeat marketing winner? Not a lot of repeat winners in these categories, so there's an opportunity. Do you know? Do you find that the marketing of Scream Six um, doesn't really have Gale in it very much? No, I uh, find that they're just very much playing up the. Um, like Gail has that one scene and she's seen with Kirby for a second, but they're playing up the the bodega scene a lot in the trailers, yeah. the train scene a lot in the trailers, the crawling across the ladder on the sky rise. Those are all the kids. And it's just interesting that they're kind of being like, we really want to build this cast up. And so, you know, we're kind of. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think I think that's just like exactly the right way to do it. I know. I agree. I agree. If you can't get Nev back, Dewey's not coming back mm-hmm. and it's just Gale and Kirby. I do understand the like, let's just kind of ease everybody into this. Yeah. And even like, even if you could get Nev back, like it can't just be Nev Campbell forever. Oh, but it could. If this franchise is going to exist for seven, eight, nine movies, which I'm sure they're hoping it will, then you gotta, you gotta build out your bench. You can't kill her though. That's fine. That's fine. But she 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 doesn't die. If you bring Nev Campbell back, she lives, and then she doesn't come back for three movies. That's fine with me. Sure. But you just you can't kill Sydney. She's been through too much. The series is not the series. The thing about this horror series, it's not evil. You know what I mean? It's not Halloween. Right. It's it's it. it, I don't want to say it's like jokey, but it's a little jokey. But it it this is a franchise that has always cared about its heroine, and so I feel like you just can't you can't do it. Sure. Uh, all right. Best part of a bad movie. I had a lot of options here. Okay. That's interesting. I, I had precious few. Well, here, here's, here, here's one. My initial one was the dinosaurs in Jurassic world dominion. Okay. Cause they went with a mix of animatronic and CGI. And I think it played really well. Not my answer. The rest of my answer are three Oscar nominated performances. Wow. <laughs> As the best part of a bad movie. Uh, I'm not picking uh, Ana de Armas in Blonde, although good. she's wonderful. I'm not picking Andrea Riceboro into Leslie, although she's very, very. I can't believe I'm saying to Leslie like that, like you are. <laughs> Just uh, the right way. No, it's not. You're addressing. Say you're addressing a letter to somebody. Okay. Go ahead. I'm addressing a letter to somebody. Um, I'm not picking her, but I am picking someone who is who was until. No, who is still in my five for best actor. Okay. It's Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Now, the category is not in a terrible movie. Sure. 
but I don't think the whale is good. And I think parts of it are actively bad. And he is above and beyond that material and that direction and those choices. And it's a wonderful performance. Um, and so he is, I believe my pick, I wrote them all down. Yeah. He is my pick for the best part of a bad movie. It's his performance in the whale. As someone, uh, one of the minority who just like openly enjoyed the whale, I will agree that Brendan Fraser is by far the best part of it. He is better than the rest of the whale. Yeah. And, uh, like this, this, like you said, it has always been a sliding scale of like, what, what exactly do you mean by bad movie? The whale is not Jurassic World, nor is it blonde. Uh, but it's I I understand why people such as yourself don't care for it. Yeah. Uh, so it certainly qualifies. What the performance got? that I considered you picked oh considered okay. Uh, no, that I considered and then chose was not nominated for an Oscar, <laughs> uh, and that's good. Was it? Can I guess? You can guess. Was it Florence Pugh and Don't Worry Darling? No, it was not. That was that was on my list as well. Okay. She was good in that movie. I my favorite thing about this actor for many years, ever since Doctor Who, is that Matt Smith has a sort of weird menacing quality to him. I like uh, this choice. <laughs> he and I, I think his his first season on Doctor Who, he just kind of seemed like a young man because he was. Uh, but then they did something in between uh, his first and second season yeah. where when he came back, suddenly he looked haggard. And suddenly he seemed like maybe he's an 1,100-year-old being in the body of a human man. Uh, and the way he carried himself and the way he spoke... He had a menace. Mm -hmm. There's one of the one of the great episodes of Doctor Who uh, called "A Good Man Goes to War." Uh, he gives a uh, he gives a speech, uh, and a a, li a line from that speech is something basically to the effect of like, you know, I a good a good man does not need rules to govern his life. He just lives well. Ask yourself why I have so many. And he really sells that line. Sure. Uh, and he carries that performance into his role in House of the Dragon, where he's a, a, a really compelling bastard. Uh, and he also carries it into his performance in Morbius, which is a terrible movie. It's nice that Joe will disagree with both of our answers. Uh, oh, sure. Okay. Because he won't like Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Yeah. And, and he thinks Morbius is a good movie. Yeah, that's that's right. That's uh, <laughs> you know that's where you get the controversy here. Uh, Matt Smith uses that quality of his, just kind of walk around and be smarmy and be like not charming but like evil charming, mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of have fun in a movie that is anything but, and is just a a, a blood sucking drain to watch if you'll forgive the metaphor. Uh, and he's the, he's the only redeeming thing about it. And uh, I, I don't even know that I'd go so far as to say I enjoyed him in it, but I enjoyed seeing like his talents being used. Sure. <laughs> I know. I, I do agree. I think that he's, 
very, very fun in that movie. Especially compared to the rest of the movie. Yes. No, I agree. He's easily the best part yeah. of that movie. He's having a lot of fun, which is nice. Um, all right. Let's do... Because I just don't like my answer for... Okay, that's fine. Let's do the uh, the Girl on the Train Award. Noah, what's the Girl on the Train Award? So... Is that that old movie? Yeah, and should, should, I, should I introduce both awards uh, at once here? Because this was kind of born of the first one. Uh, oh, you want to do the first like one a counterpoint. first? Then? Well, no, I just to we, I we would start like with Girl on the Train. Positive, yeah. yeah, but so many yeah, years ago, we watched Anna Karenina, the Joe Wright adaptation. We watched it for our uh, our Oscars uh, lead up, and neither of us expected to like it. It's just going to be a slog, going to be a period piece with Keira Knightley in it, and it fucking ruled. Just it it blew us away. Yeah, and uh, so every year we honor uh, an Anna Karenina award winner a movie that we didn't expect to like and just really did a few years later we saw the girl on the train uh just a you know a great little a great little pulpy thriller uh trailers are very exciting it's just going to be it's going to be like a b a b rent gone girl mm-hmm. and uh great very excited for that sucked sucked shit uh and so we added that to the rotation. Uh, every year we uh, dishonor the Girl in the Trade Award winner for the movie that we were uh, most excited about and let us down. What do you have this year, sir? I have four options. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had I had two that were uh, the, biggest, uh, the biggest standouts for me, and one I was clearly anticipating over the other. I'd let myself get duped. Uh, I said, uh, I said, going into this movie, like, if this movie's not good, like, I don't really know what I'm gonna do, and I've decided it wasn't good. Uh, I can't. I came out thinking, like, all right, I this? had fun, uh, and as it sat with me, I was just like, no, no, that didn't work. Is 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 this your pick? Uh, yeah, my my pick is uh, my pick is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Oh, you don't think it's good? No, I don't really think it's good. <laughs> I. I think I was I was so tied into Black Panther Wakanda Forever as the savior of the MCU for me. I could feel my connection, my tether to this ongoing project through highs and lows. I was still just I was still just in for so many years. And then the wall kind of started crumbling down. After after Endgame, it was it like it's, it's yeah. a, you know there's a, a swing and a miss here and a swing and a miss there, and about two thousand minutes of television, I and it was just just a lot all at once. And I, you I didn't watch to see any a lot. of the TV. I watched a great deal of the TV. No, you and that, did not. You watched WandaVision. You watched Falcon. Yeah. You watch. I guess you watched the first couple shows. I watched Loki. I watched, you watched Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Uh, even if, even though Hawkeye was good, but uh, you didn't watch. What if? Yeah. You didn't watch Miss Marvel. You mm-hmm. didn't watch the Oscar Moon Knight. You didn't watch. Was there any others so far? Probably. I. Uh, you feel like you're missing two or three. You didn't watch Werewolf by Night. I. Uh, yeah. I. That's still a lot of TV that I watched, uh, especially while sitting through a lot of it, thinking like this isn't good either. She Hulk. Yeah. There you go. I thought of it before I found it. I. Uh, and yeah, and Wakanda Forever, those trailers, the, the you know, not the allure, the mystery of like, what are they going to do? 
And I was just like, this is good. This is going to be the movie where, you know, Ryan Coogler saves us and keeps it, keeps it afloat. And I just didn't like it. I, there was, there was so much bloat and so much just kind of like messy hemming and hawing. Mm. I very surprising answer. And uh, yeah, very surprising answer. And it's, it's what's got me so hesitant to get excited about guardians. Guardians is going to be great. I, I, I have complete faith, and I'll tell you I'll tell you why Guardians is going to be great. He's closing a chapter. It's not like we need to do this to set this up. He's just he's taking the thing that he loved that he created, and he's closing it out. Sure. And the trailers have been great. And I'm just like, that's one. That, you know, Black Panther had just an enormous task. They had five enormous tasks they had to do in that Yes. Movie. And then they chose to add on like three more for fun. And so I get the the bloated and like contrived because I just it was like an anime. It was like Fury Seven, but that came out really well. Yeah. But um I think Guardians is gonna rule. I just uh and like the Marvels is gonna be whatever. But I still really love Black Panther. I do I do get your bits, but I think that the good outweighs the bad immeasurably in that movie. But I get Remember it. Remember when Okoye became a superhero? <laughs> No. Oh, she yeah. had she had a suit. Well, that was a terrible suit. <laughs> it was the worst it looked suit s- in the world. It looked so ugly. <laughs> it looked so ugly. <laughs> Let's move into our award for worst suit. <laughs> but I liked Riri. I liked uh, what's his face was great. I can't think of his name. Namor. Yeah, he was Nam- dope as Namor hell. Namor was great. And so uh, Bassett's gonna win an Oscar for it. Yeah, yeah, you got, that's uh, bugging me. Winston Duke had like three really nice moments uh, in that movie, which was great. And then um, what's her face? Shuri? Yeah. She was great too. Yeah. Um, That's very surprising. All right. Uh, My turn. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. I have my answer. My runner's up. Don't worry, darling. Oh, yeah. Great trailers. You hear it, you know, months in advance. This like weird thriller olivia wilde's follow-up harry styles what's he gonna do florence pugh's on a hot streak not good no Lightyear still gave three stars to the movie and i stick by that for now i haven't seen it again but like what could have been yeah um very disappointing jurassic world dominion i'm a i'm a defender of jurassic world and fallen kingdom and this was hor. this was <laughs> horrible Beyond belief, the storylines that they came up with were so stupid. It was a shock. Anyone read that script and said, bingo. But my most disappointing movie of the year, the movie that was made for me and failed in almost every aspect, starred Karen Gillan. Let me know when you got it. Pedro Pascal. Fred Armisen, David Duchovny, Keegan-Michael Key, Kate McKinnon, Peter Serafinowicz, Maria Bakalova. Cameos by so many people that I can't think of right now. Let's see this. Nope. Also starred Leslie Mann and Iris Apatow. Oh, is it that Netflix thing? It's The Bubble. Yeah, okay. Written and directed by Judd Apatow. You tell me a new Avatar movie. First of all, I'm sold. Second of all, a broad comedy. So he's not doing The King of Staten Island. Right. And it's just a premise built into a comedy. It's a bunch of 
egomaniac actors are stuck in a hotel due to COVID and they drive each other crazy. It's a home run. Unbearably bad. And I love Apatow. I'm a defender of his. I don't even need to be. Like, he's only made, like, you know, This Is 40, I think, is fine on its way to bad. Further further toward bad than good, but fine. Okay. King Staten Island is just good, but, like, not what I want from him. And then I love, you know, then you got Knocked Up, Four Dilled Virgin. I love funny people. So, like, I'm not, like, sitting here, like, defending movies that are supposed to be dog shit. But I love Judd Apatow, and this was unbearably bad. Uh, and uh, everything about it was bad. And I, it was such a shame to watch it and go, boy, what could have been? Yeah, it just really seemed, even just like looking at the trailers, I didn't see that, I never will. But it just doesn't seem like what he does. It's not. It's not. It plays like... Um, not like a date movie, you know, like that kind of scatterbrain. Yeah. Like that kind of tone almost. I yeah, just, he, just, he doesn't, his, his, his broad comedies aren't that broad. No. And this movie seemed quite broad. Uh, the movie has one uh, bright spot and it's um, Harry Trevaldwin, I think is his name. Uh, okay. He's great on Instagram. He's a British actor. And uh, he's very, very funny in it, but God. All right, Noah. Anna Krunin, how about some positivity? I love positivity. The Anna Krunin, we already explained this, a movie that we thought would not be up our alley, but then suddenly is. How'd that happen? Noah, what do you got? So this is a movie that we put on largely to kill time. <sighs> uh, That's interesting. Seemed like you know this this could be this could be fun and like oh there's a little bit of buzz like maybe this is good, but so it wasn't in theaters. No, it was not in theaters. This is another streamer, uh, and this is one that just speaking for myself, I was like this isn't gonna be good. Like maybe it'll be like a solid retread of what the first thing did, but <gasps> a sequel. Yeah, I'm not looking for that. And then it was like a whole unique thrilling idea i can't imagine what this is this is orphan first kill oh yeah orphan first kills dope as hell which has a twist in it one of the like not not an ending twist no we get our twist smack dab in the middle yeah and it blows because you're not only not expecting in the middle it's such a cool twist that changes the dynamic of every single character in the movie yeah it's shocking (laughs) and like it makes you laugh because you're so excited. It's one of those things where it's like you hear it and you're like, oh, good. <laughs> like, that's what's happening now. Yeah, you go you go into so many movies thinking just like, what if, what, what if, I say you, this is me no, saying I go into this, movies. but I, I say to myself, what if someone had an idea? Yeah. What would happen? Just take a sw- if just what if someone like, took a giant swing? Yeah, just, in, it just, just... I'm, I'm sitting in the middle of these movies that I find... Uh, tedious and monotonous and whatever and just like what if something happened and then occasionally it does and you're just like whoa fuck man that was cool as hell uh orphan first kill a lot of fun it's awesome that twist is an all-timer it's great it's up there with the malignant um mine is a movie that came out recently very recently and i took quite a shine to it 
from um, a studio, and I'm pulling up their filmography that hasn't made a movie that I genuinely liked. Wow. Since, sorry. I'm pulling up the filmography. Okay. Since, let's go back. 2019. Or even that I saw. Yeah, 2019. Oh, yeah. Is that not that far? Is that what you said? I don't know. I mean, I guess. uh, One, two. I guess it was like four years ago now. Three, four, five, six. Six movies in between. And before that movie, which is just the third movie of a franchise, it had been another three years and that was a franchise. Like they, they haven't had an original movie that I've liked in many, many years A studio that we've brushed off as like who, who this isn't for us anymore. That came out with the most surprising movie of the year, in my opinion, as far as expectations and it's Puss in Boots, the last wish. Yeah, I got, I got there right before you announced it. That's, my a, that's other, a great call. My other movie was uncharted. I considered uncharted. Yeah. Which is like, well, this isn't going to be good. And then it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's not really good, but it's good. Yeah. And that was weird. Uh, Puss, Puss in Boots is a better choice, though. But Puss in Boots is incredible. And, like, you had, like, oh, DreamWorks is making another Puss in Boots movie. Like, oh, I yeah. couldn't possibly care about that. It was. Like, the movie I was talking about was How to Train Your Dragon 3, yeah. which is great. And then three years before that, Kung Fu Panda 3, which is great. But, like, in between, they just have nothing. It's like. Crudes and trolls and like yeah. I, boss babies and just who gives a I, shit. I feel what you're saying so much that even when this movie came out, and everyone said it's great. Yeah, the reviews were through the roof. It was doing its money thing, and like even you were you were beating the drama like we gotta see Puss in Boots. I just I could not bring myself to give a shit. Yeah. Until suddenly it ha- we we got there and it happened and everyone was right. I do want to say some past winners. We've agreed once on this and it was 2017's Wonder Woman, which is only because DC. Yeah. But Hereditary has been on here. Palm Springs, Waves, The Edge of Seventeen, Unfriended. These are the kind of movies. But yeah, Puss in Boots is like if if, if this was 2007. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was good. Sure. But 2022, a DreamWorks animated movie, they're not a thing anymore. This is on par with anything Pixar's done the last, like, four years. Since probably Coco, so. Yeah. No, it was, it was really great. Very exciting. All right. Our final two categories. Worst scene of the year. Past winners. No, we've never matched on this. Okay. We won't this year. Well, I doubt it. Past winners include Gotta Stab That Baby and Noah. Yeah. Remember that? I do. Uh, any scene with the tablet and the snowman. <laughs> uh, the opening of Day of Sicario, Day of the Soldado. The ending narration of The Magnificent Seven. Uh, Malcolm goes off and Malcolm and Marie last year. My winner was the shed investigation in antlers, which yeah, happened three sure. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yours was the boxing finale in the tomorrow war. Okay. This year. Mine goes to mommy. Why? Let me see if you can get what this is just based on that. Okay. Why mommy? Why don't do this to me again? Do this to me again. Oh yeah. All right. So 
I believe I know what you're talking about, and this isn't. It's not quite going to be a match, but is this for the same movie? I think so. Is it the JFK scene? No. Okay. No, it's not. It's a scene. I think. I think it's on the beach when what I'm talking about happens. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It is, honestly, I could give a shit when this scene is in the movie. It's uh, Marilyn Monroe's new baby talking as if it's the old baby saying, why did you right. abort me? Don't abort me. I want to live. You're a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. Blonde. And, the movie's blonde. I'm going to go ahead and announce mine. So we can just kind of do this uh, together. My, my choice is said abortion scene. Right. We're going to count blonde. it as, you know what? I'm counting it as the same thing. Uh, Cause there are two peas in a pod. I almost, scenes. I almost just wrote, Blonde? Do you agree that the <laughs> yeah that's the same? Story? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I we finally matched up. Just you're talking more about the scene in the room where she then like runs out in her little fantasy. And yeah, you, you see the clamp opening. Yeah, the canal. And yeah. and she and she's like she's lying there being like I don't actually want an abortion no, now. No, and no, the yeah. and the doctor's like fuck Too you, bad. it's happening. Uh, and then I'm more talking about a different scene, which is when the baby's actually talking to her going, are you going to kill me again? The baby did speak to her. Yes. Like you did the other baby. Right. Do you not love me? I, a movie so offensive that it prompted a letter <laughs> from the fun Planned Parenthood being like, why is this happening? <laughs> I think that's what the letter said. <laughs> Dear Andrew Dominic, what the fuck is going on? I think that, uh, you know, we talked about this uh, a bit when watching this movie. God, why did we watch this movie? It She's wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk more about the movie in general, I'm guessing, yeah. next week. But yeah, go ahead. I, movies can have bad politics. That's fine. Some of the greatest movies have pretty bad politics. London has fallen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's about a cardio day of the I... <laughs> But when you're dealing with subject matters uh, of the more sensitive variety, such as this, uh, you just kind the bar is higher. You have you have to do better to make an interesting and compelling thing if you're going to make a movie that is like pretty overtly anti-abortion. And not only did this movie not clear that bar, did it not even begin to attempt to clear that bar. <laughs> It fell so short of the bar that I I don't even know how to finish this with such like a an exaggerated thing that it did when it tried to encounter the bar. Uh, it it fell down and rotted into the earth <laughs> and like just kind of sagged and dripped until only the bar was left. I is just deeply. Uh, disgusting and bad and just bad. The the bad is the important part. Yeah. So bad. We'll talk about how bad it is next week. But yeah, yeah the uh, revolting is a good way to put it. It's manipulative. It's not true to her. Is This is all him just guessing what happened to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And in that sense, it's insulting to her memory. And... Uh, he should be ashamed of himself. And just and just as a as like a narrative device, like you make the baby speak in a little baby voice. Don't kill me. <laughs> what the fuck? Does the baby actually talk or is it just subtitles and I made a voice? No, I think it does. All right, great. 
I hope so. All right. Um, this is it. Best scene of the year. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible we're already here. What are some... Do you have any runner-ups? I do. All right. Before we do that, the previous winners. Um, the first time we gave this award out was in 2014. And... I picked the ending of Whiplash, and you picked the first time a dude is floored in Under the Skin. Okay. We have agreed once, which is the destruction of Mother. Yeah. From Mother. Yeah, man. Uh, what a year. <laughs> um, 2020, you did Mads Mikkelsen dancing at the end of another round. I did uh, dinner with a sister in The Invisible Man. Uh, and last year... You went with Bond and Paloma. Speaking of Bond, this is not Bond. Uh, And Paloma in Cuba in No Time to Die. And I did the big reveal in Malignant, the jail scene, that kind of thing. Indeed. What did you you have any runners up? I do. What do you got? I. All right. I wanted to shout out the uh, scene from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Which where uh, the one where they become rocks. Okay. I was to me kind of the. The height, the thing that I admire so much about that movie is the way that it blends its absurdity and its heart. Yeah. And I think that scene is just kind of the perfect manifestation of both. All right. Where it's such a ridiculous thing happening and such an emotional uh, conversation that's going on during it. One of my, The first one I wrote down was uh, the downstairs people sitting at the upstairs table in Downton Abbey when they get to be part of the film. Sure. That was one of the most joyful moments I had in a movie. It's terrific. It was incredible. It's wonderful buildup, not even a buildup where we wanted. We didn't know we wanted that to happen until it was happening, and it was yeah. very exciting and uh, so fun and joyful. What's one of your other ones? Uh, in Barbarian, uh, Justin Long taking his uh, measurements for his real estate uh, listing. Say the phone call. <laughs> no, those, yeah, yeah, I, I that's did. That's a great one. That's a great one. I certainly do. It's really just everything involving Justin Long. The yeah, first, the first fifteen minutes of his introduction to yeah. the movie is like, is the height of cinema. Yeah. But specifically, him measuring for his real estate okay. listing. Okay. I just maybe the hardest I've laughed in a movie all year. Um, uh, one of my runners up, Pearl's monologue and Pearl, the eight minutes of just uncut screen time for yeah. uh, Mia Goth just speaking right to the camera. <laughs> And this the great comedic bit of we know it's eventually going to cut back to this other woman and we can't wait to see her reaction to everything that's been said. Wonderful. Wonderful. I want to hold off on my final runner up because I think there is at least some chance that it was selected by you. Oh, it was in it was in the running for me. OK, uh, for a while. And I don't want to I don't want to undercut well, then your why stuff. Don't you give uh, your answer. I'll do my final runner up, which you have. Ins- I'll show you the scene when we're done here. OK. Um. It is the very beginning of After Yang, which takes place in a, um, I don't know if it's like the near future, but just kind of an alternate society where humanoid robots are a thing. And there's no explaining it, but apparently there's a large dance competition that families do in their living room. Okay. That's like, you follow along to this dance and you have to be exactly in sync and then families are eliminated. And they only do it once, but it's the credits, and it's like, this is so fucking cool. And I'll show it to you when you're done. You'll really like it. It's a lot of fun. Cool. What was your number one, then? Uh, My number one was from, if not... Best scene of the year. If not the movie of the year, though in some estimations it is. No spoilers uh, for two weeks from from now. No. uh, But 
the movie experience Ooh, Top Gun? of the year. Uh, yes, indeed, when uh, Maverick proves that the mission is possible. Oh, really? That's your favorite scene? Okay. That is the scene of the year to me. The scene that, no matter how many times I see that movie, uh, is just... The, the movie's clearly building to. Uh, everyone on Earth has seen Top Gun. Uh, he's been trying to teach these kids. You know, you gotta you gotta take the banks. You gotta increase speed, and you gotta do your turns, and then you gotta pull up, and that's all really hard. And they can't do it because they're not him. Uh, eventually, he makes one too many mistakes. He gets fired yeah. from the Navy, uh, and he says, "No, I'm not fired from the Navy. In fact, uh, in the midst of John Hamm giving his uh, little monologue to the class about how." We're making the mission easier. We're going to take our chances because it can't be done. It's not possible. In comes this motherfucker in his plane that he stole from the Navy. <laughs> and he flies the mission. Doesn't even in, break a sweat. No issue. In well under the time that they've been doing. Yeah. And then he gets put on the mission and the movie goes on from there. But it's just. It's so interesting to watch because you've been waiting for it the whole time. Yeah. And once you see the movie a few times, you can't help but notice that the mechanics of the scene are really just Tom Cruise sitting in a chair going, ooh, ooh, ooh. Or is he on a plane just like, doing And it? just like throwing his body left and right. But uh, outstanding. Can, cannot be topped yeah. in terms of just a... Uh, a movie going moment. Well, I think it can. <laughs> uh, maybe not like crowd pleasing blockbuster moment. Although I do think it might be just that dogfight at the end where they fucking use the falling plane to divert the, it's just so cool. Sure. Um, no, it must've been your runner up because there was no scene that didn't, that emotionally broke me more than the, what I described as why can't we give love one more chance from after sun? The very uh, ending. Yeah, I should say. Was that what you were thinking? Uh, no, that was uh, that was not. What was your final runner up? My final runner up was when uh, in RRR when they saved the boy. Oh yeah, okay. I just watched it with my mom. Yeah, she loved it. I bet she did. She that whole movie. She was like, "This is great." Yeah, this is. And she, every time Bruce got up, she's like, "You're missing the best movie." <laughs> she loved it. Um, no, are you surprised that it's uh, under pressure? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I had I had considered that, but uh, I I think what held me back was just that the like the the movie is so. Like each each part of it kind of relies on it. I, th yeah. I think of it as a movie in whole, as opposed to like uh, some good scenes. It it no 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 ending left me on left as much of an impact on me. This is a movie that I could not stop thinking about uh, for months after seeing it. I'm still thinking about it, and it's partially due to the brilliance of the scene, the dialogue, the editing of this scene the sound design of this scene, the acting of this scene, and the impact of this scene, it's up there with Whiplash with one of the best endings in recent memory. It's heartbreaking and brilliant. I'm not going to give anything away story point-wise. We'll talk about this movie in a few weeks, but it is um, the most impactful just hits you've seen in a movie 
that I saw all year. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great choice and is a a great just a great movie. And those are our B-sides. Um see, we told you they're better than the Oscars. Oh, we didn't, but you guys knew. Um yeah. I'm sure we've said that before. Yeah, probably. Ooh, baby. This is very exciting. This is of course our new tournament. Uh, it is March after all, and every year, uh, for the past four years, we, four years. We've no. done four tournaments. We've done five tournaments. This is our fifth. We've done four. So you have th- three years then, because we did one in November during the quarantine. Right. This must be third. Um, first one was finding the greatest blockbuster of the 2010s. The second, second one was finding the greatest blockbuster of the 2000s, then of the 90s, and then we flipped everything on its head and looked for the biggest flop of all time. Now we're broadening our horizon. We, 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 we've, we've had two categories in our tournaments, franchise starters and sequels. We've talked about these movies a lot. They're very prevalent but in never box office as circles. A whole. So we zoomed out and we l- are looking at everything on its own uh, as one cohesive collection, something we're calling Multiplex Madness. Pronounced with an IP. That's right. We are searching for the greatest blockbuster franchise of all time. Uh, it's This is pretty ambitious stuff if i don't if i do say so i don't say so myself i'll say it you say it it's pretty ambitious stuff i agree with you glad somebody said it um and uh we have we everything's bigger this tournament we have seven categories yeah man we're doing this full nba style seven games you have to win four of them to advance best movie Pretty easy. Which franchise has the best film overall? Quality control. Which franchise uh, stayed good, became good, was good the longest? Whoever you wanted to find that. Gross consistency. Not a whole lot of ebbs and flows. Things pretty much, of course that's going to happen in a franchise, but we'd like to see steadiness throughout. Or growth, as it were, leading into franchise growth. Did it become bigger as it went on, or did they just keep pumping out sequels that became less and less relevant? Longevity. Uh, what is the film? How long did it go on for? How long did it stay relevant in the culture that leads into legacy? How was it thought of now? Did it change anything? And then, of course, milestones, which are the stats. Think about a baseball card. On the back are all the stats. How many... Uh, home runs, RBIs, in this case, records. Records broken, records made. Was it the top movie of how many years? Was it always in the top ten? Whatever. Yeah. Last week we picked, we, we split the bracket into two. The Lawrence of Arabia division on the left is the original franchise. This franchise is born of just ideas that somebody had once. That will be on the left side, and then on the right side, The Godfather... Division. I guess Lawrence of Arabia is probably based on a book, but in for all intents and purposes, and I'm just going to look it up as well, let's say it's not. The Godfather, though, which is the name of the other conference, is based on a book. So that has the adaptations. Sure. Um, yeah, it's based on uh, T.E. Lawrence's book, Seven Pillars of Wisdom. Whatever. Um, and that we did last week. We have some strong contenders. We're going to have some strong ones 
here as well. Now I've won. Uh, I, I won the tournament last year, and one meaning I just happened to draft the winner. It's not a competition between us. We're looking for the 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 greatest or the biggest or whatever. We're not looking to have our film chosen. But I picked the one that won last year, which was uh, Julie. And so I get to choose first in this draft, and I can pick which part of the draft I'm going to choose first in. And it was this one. I abstained last week, and I'm picking first in this draft. We have how many contenders do we have? Oh, that I don't know. 47 of them. Okay. Um, and of those 47, this, the pick was pretty clear for me. The one that had to go in, maybe the strongest contender we have in this whole tournament. And that, of course, is the behemoth known as Star Wars. That gets my first pick. Uh, and it would be foolish for anybody to pick anything else uh, the first time around. Would you not agree? I would agree completely. Uh, I'm trying to find its stats here. Uh, there it is. It's 12 films. I am including Clone Wars. So that drags a lot of these averages down a bit. But uh, 12 films. Uh, it's spanned decades, generations, three complete trilogies, two sp- three spinoffs, if you're including Clone Wars, which we are. Um, just uh, records out the wazoo, Oscars, National Film Registry for the original trilogy. It's got all the merit. It's got the number one pick. Yeah, uh, I think that's absolutely right. This was a this was the one I actually didn't want the first pick because you can't make a pick other than Star Wars. Uh, it is so clearly far and away the number one here, and that's just not as fun. I I had fun. Well, I mean, you had fun because you're you might w- you might win again. I uh, but I'm gonna have fun with uh, my pick, which I think is a uh, I think is a dark horse here. It has a lot going so for it. Just before we get to for me, yeah. there's like three that are like the top tier. Okay, Star Wars is one of them, and then there's two others that are like have everything you can want. Okay, so I'm curious which one of those. I assume it's one of those you took. I'm curious which one you. Took. I. I don't know. I mean, we'd uh, yeah, we'd we'd talked about this briefly uh, a couple of weeks ago. My first pick in the original franchise is going to be Rocky. You did tell me that. And yeah, that is that's way down on my list. That's way right. down on your list. I yeah. uh, I think that's bananas. Worthy, worthy. I mean, you got to do it the way it redefined itself with Creed. Yeah. Yeah, Rocky has a ton of different things going for it. I sure. uh, it has made a good deal of money, not the billions that Star Wars has. But I, uh, you know, it's a money maker. Yep. I uh, it is. I think more liked than not. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, it's got especially uh, the first one. Well, yeah. I mean, the the first the first Rocky is excellent, and but I, I I just mean even in the sequels, like I, my impression of the Rocky fandom is that like two and three are good, and then four and five are. What is five? Five was before Rocky Balboa. Is correct. correct. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Balboa was good. Rocky Balboa was good, yeah. Then the uh, the revitalization Creed's with the Creed great. franchise. Creed's great. Uh, Creed's great. Creed 2 uh, was good. Well, Creed 3 well, might well, be well, part of the Jonathan Major's growth. Yes. Uh, he had a big movie at Sundance, too. Big movie. And then Rocky, uh, one best picture, one best director. It sure did. Is just like a... Stallone didn't get any of those. A, a seminal... Uh, 
part of the like peak of Hollywood cinema. Once upon a time, we did a Best Picture podcast. You remember this? It's still a great idea. I do. And I think at one point it'd make a good podcast. It was called And the Podcast Goes To, where we looked. What year did Rocky come out? You got the stats. 76. Right? Thank you. Um, was Rocky, we, we, we looked at the five best picture nominees of a given year, watched them, and talked to them in the context of when they came out and in today's context. Um, was that one of them? Do you remember? Yeah. It was because it was Rocky, All the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, and Taxi Driver, which is. Looking back, like Rocky is terrific, but I, I remember like even now we're just like, I don't know, network, taxi driver, all the presidents, man, that's fucking crazy. It's a crazy four. Yeah. Bound for glory. You like more than me, but that four is undeniable. It's a crazier. So the fact that it beat out those says a lot to the movie's fan uh, uh, popularity. Yeah. And this, like, I remember my experience from doing that and like, oh yeah, all right. You know, Rocky's a fun sports movie, but like. Best picture, like that's dumb. Uh, is it better than Network and Taxi Driver? Like, no, I don't think so. But like, it's actually legitimately great. All the presidents men. No, I. It, you were just leaving. Okay. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, on top. I yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, I'm just saying. It's whether it is the best picture. Yes. Probably not. But like, it's not. It's. It is a. It is deserving of best picture. Yeah. I think. Uh, just For sure. in in a vacuum. For sure. I. And yeah, I, th- I think Rocky is going to have a strong uh, a strong case to be made in a lot of our uh, a lot of our categories, and happy to have it. All right, uh, my second pick then. I think the 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 the, the next uh, clear choice here is um, it's got to be Toy Story. Ah, interesting. All right, good. Four movies, good. Yeah, no, it's just, it's a good pick. Four movies, um, four classics, two Oscars, National uh, Film Registry, and change the landscape of animation forever. And uh, talk about quality consistency. Yeah. So it's deserving of a place that I think has a pretty good shot at, uh, at getting out of the uh, the LOA. I want to say something cool like East. Okay. It's not East West division. Yeah. It's Lawrence of Arabia. So I guess getting out of the Lawrence of Arabia. Sure. But I wanted getting out of Lawrence. I want a shorter one. Yeah. Getting out of Larry. Getting out of Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> I. All right. That is a uh, that is a strong pick, and I'm glad because I still have one of my. I uh, basically the pick that I thought you were going to make instead of that is which still is. available to me, which is good. Uh, and so I am going with Indiana Jones. That was the so that was the three in my head was Star okay. Wars, Toy Story, Indiana Jones. Yeah, uh, Indiana Jones, which has uh, you know spanned from eighty one to two thousand eight, made almost a billion dollars uh, domestically, one point nine worldwide. Yeah, uh, has you know is is interesting because it's the it's one of the great characters of one of our great movie stars. Uh, Henry Jones. Henry, is that his name? Uh, yeah. It's not, yes. it's not Indiana. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Henry. Uh, four movies, two of which aren't good, uh, which is odd. But people, I don't know what the second one is you're referring to because people like... You know, love Temple of Doom from their childhood, and some people swear that like Crusade may be the best one. 
Yeah, no, I'm referring to Temple of Doom. Okay. I my my impression is that Temple of Doom's reputation is not great. I like uh, them all. Whereas uh, Raiders and Raiders is like a definitive classic, and then you do have that current of people who's like actually Crusade is better. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's no. uh, you know Indiana Jones is timeless. He's on sure my team. is iconic. All right, I'm sticking with animation, Noah, and I'm going with um, the, uh, I think, this generation's biggest uh, animated franchise, and that's Despicable Me. Yep, in my top tier. I mean, how could how could it not? Came out of nowhere to be a huge cultural sensation. Two spinoffs that were just as successful, and in some cases, more successful than the main franchise. And um, helped define a studio, much like Toy Story defined Pixar, with Illumination. It's got to be there. Yeah, I think that's good. I, my next pick is going to be definitional in its own right. I, maybe not in a way that we all would have preferred a genre was defined, but what is horror in the 2000s without Saw? Okay, you're really sticking to the bottom, except for indie, the bottom of my list. I love it, though. I I think that Saw was kind kind of of its time, but, like, it it was the definition of horror in between 2004 and 2021. You know, if it's Halloween, it's got to be Saw. Thank you. Is what they said. They said every time. Uh, and then they were right. If it's Halloween, it must be Saw. I, you know, it's made almost $500 million domestically and was On just a... budget a, of what? What's the budget number? Uh, total budget is $95 million. Boom, look at that. Uh, which, the house... Thank you, does make those more impressive. This might come up later, but uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street famously launched uh, New Line Cinema. Uh-huh. Became known amongst the industry as the house that Freddie built. Lionsgate, the house that Jigsaw built. Yeah. That's what people say. That's what people say. And they should. The Lionsgate logo is pretty uh, pretty synonymous with Saw in my mind. The gears, you know, the closing of the door. Yeah. The, key. the gears is twisted pictures. But the closing of those gates, the Lionsgates, it's all rusty and bloody. Yeah, yeah it's creepy. Uh, love love a love a studio that has like a horror version of their logo and yeah. also a regular version. I yeah, I think I think it's a, I think the franchise is iconic and Here's the issue. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of horror on this list because yeah. a few reasons. One, horror is uh, cheap to produce and easy to sequelize. Uh-huh. Um, it's 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 much easier to convince a studio to spend twenty million dollars on a new horror film that might launch a franchise as opposed to hundred and twenty million dollars on a live action original property that might launch a franchise. So, having said that, um, what's another reason why horror is? Uh, is is, is is there's gonna be so many of them there's so many sequels they're so profitable so i'm also going into the i looking at my list i'm going boy there's a lot of horror on here yeah and i'm going picking a horror movie next and it's the one that we dedicated uh, a large chunk of this podcast to it is halloween yeah i was i was i was worried about that 
I am taking Halloween here. If, and uh, If you hadn't, I would have. What is it? 12, 13 films. Um, the original is a classic national film registry selection. The one, at the time, the most successful independent film in history. Uh, the way that it has tried to redefine itself, some successful, some not, and then, boom, the legacy sequel was born partially on Saw's back, just uh, an iconic figure in horror, and has got to go on the list. Yeah. Um, yeah, that de- that definitely belongs there, and I would have 100% taken it with my, uh, with my next pick if you had somehow let it slip. I think there was uh, there was one franchise that there was a chance you were talking about. Okay. I uh, I might have that next on my list. I uh, well, no, you won't, because it's come it's coming to me. We're sticking in a uh, sticking in a horror mood here. This is a bit of a speculative pick, because like I I wouldn't have picked it necessarily this high. Yeah. I uh, but I do want to make sure I get Scream. That was not my pick. That okay. would have been the next pick. Okay. I. Uh, Scream, there have been five Scream movies so far. Yeah. Uh, as endured from 96 to 2022, uh, the most recent uh, the most recent entry did kind of revitalize things. Uh, all but one of these movies are good, quite good. Uh, I don't remember. Is Scream 4 quite good? Uh, I like it a lot. Okay. Some I, I, people I, don't. I, I, I remember enjoying it. Uh, uh, Could have just been a comparison got, to Scream 3. Uh, Scream 3 is not great. It's got uh, Emma Roberts in it. Sure. O'Culkin. Um, Kirby. Remember Kirby? Hayden Panettiere. Hayden Panettiere. Of course. Uh, yeah, the Scream franchise is great. Iconic in its own right. Uh, I think the... Of, remember the opening? No. Where it's two celebrities. I forgot who it was. Like Amy T. Garden and somebody else watching, like getting killed. And then we cut, and it's actually the opening to a, a stab movie, and two girls are watching it, and that might be two other. It's like Kristen Bell and somebody or something. Okay. And then they get killed, and then we cut, and that's actually the opening to another stab movie. That in, in that stab movie, they're watching another stab movie. I do. I do remember this. Yes. And then those two girls actually get killed, and that's actually just the start of the movie. Yeah. I. It is good. It's it's been it's been creative and clever and meta and I really think that Scream 6 has like huge breakout potential. Yeah. I think I think says. this I think this could turn back from like oh yeah, this was a fun like a fun little return to this thing that we like to actually Scream is huge again. Yeah. Uh and I hope if so. if that if that's the case recency bias is going to play big in my favor here i hope we get there no i i pray for it every day now i'm sticking with horror <laughs> just going down my list here uh and i'm picking the six film franchise actually it is seven films but the seventh film did not premiere in theaters but was a streaming only on paramount plus so only six films and that is of course paranormal activity ah yes it's yes uh, it's the, the original is famously the most profitable film ever made. And if that doesn't get you a slot on this chart, I don't know what will, but let's, let's look this over here. We got, uh, $401 million domestic on a budget of total $29 million worldwide. What tw- you spend $29 million, you get 890 back. That's Who's good. Not taking that bet. Yeah. I'm no mathematician, but. 
plus the fact that consistently, uh, the like Paranormal Activity two, and even Paranormal Activity three opened higher than the previous movies. It was a huge deal. Um, revolutionized the way that uh, movies are marketed with the whole uh, demand it come to your town. Like, if you want to see this movie, go to our website and type in your zip code. Otherwise, it might not. Um, of course, the the trailers with uh, the night vision, audience members watching the movies. Yeah. Just very influential horror genre and took over uh, Saw as the uh, the big horror film of October for a number of years. Yeah, that's a great pick. I, I think is is probably going to rely quite a bit on the success of that first movie, but that's the first first three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it it was a it was its own thing for a little while. I'm co- I'm going away from horror. I because there's a but lot. I was going to go away from horror, so don't <laughs> go where I was going to go. There's a lot of picks that are like picks from the heart. I and I've made a few of them over what I would say are on paper. Uh, stronger contenders. I, maybe I do. And so I can't let some of these things completely slip away. And I'm going to be picking, I have two in my head. I, the last great comedy franchise. It's the one I'm thinking of. It's the hangover. Oh no. (laughs) Of course you love the hangover. Who doesn't love the hangover? You love it. It's, it's you got love so when he many yells the uh, the f word the first thing we hear Bradley the... Cooper say. Yeah, and not the that? fun one. Yeah, I do. I now I love all of the the slurs that have aged well. Oh, I'm very fond. Doctor... <laughs> oh, so funny. I'm very fond of Ken Jeong and of Ed Helms. What and I when you put them funny, both in a movie, <laughs> when we really think about what Ken Jong is doing, the nuance of it is that it's such a funny little voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes that's all you need. It's an ethnic voice and it's high pitched. And he says things like you go girl or whatever, but in an ethnic accent and high pitch, it's so funny. Listen, a baby has sunglasses. <laughs> No, you're thinking of Zach Galifianakis, actually. Oh, That's a man. I uh, Now, listen, for all of the fun we're making, uh, in fact, The Hangover is on my team now, so leave it alone. Cooper's uh, pretty good in that, though. He's, like, very good at that. He's so smug in it. You want to punch him. Yeah. But he's good in it. No, he's he's, he's very good. He's so like a, He's like, what if Jason Bateman was a bigger dick? Yeah, uh, which is tough. And yeah, Zach Galifianakis uh, crushes it in these movies. I got it. Uh, I get it. And... You know, first one was a even the second one, both huge. Yeah, giant hits. Uh, three movies that made uh, six hundred and forty-four million dollars. Uh, One point four billion worldwide. Yeah. Like that's just that's a that's a huge hit, and comedy doesn't do that anymore. It certainly Never doesn't has. now, but like even in late two thousands, early two thousand tens, just like wasn't really a thing. Uh, and I think that makes it extra impressive, and so I'm taking it. All right, uh, my next pick. I'm going. Uh, I can't do the voice or the song. We're going back to the past, though. To Back to the Future. Nice. Okay. Okay. Um, the first one is such a generational classic. Uh, I mean, just who doesn't love that first movie? And then people like the third one, and people like the second. But really, um. Just a huge, incredible hit, and one of the uh, defining movies of the 80s. 
Um, and it's a cohesive trilogy. There you go. Yeah. I, I'm sure I've seen Back to the Future Part 3. But I couldn't... It takes place in the Old West. Oh, okay. I'm sure I've seen Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> it takes place but in the future. I couldn't for the life... Wait, that's that's the one where, like... Is that the one where Biff has the almanac, or is that the plot of one? No, that's the... that's the He finds the almanac in the first one, but it's the plot of the second. He becomes, like, a Donald Trump-like figure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, I've seen all those movies. Uh, you seen the Wild Wild West one? Yeah. I should probably revisit them all. Oh, yeah. Especially the second two, because I have no memory at all of them, really, other than they're on a train and Biff's Mary in a car. Mary in it. Uh, that's cool. That's the reason why Doc Brown doesn't want to go back. Uh, who can her. blame him? I agree. Um, yeah, those are uh, those are good movies and certainly uh, certainly iconic in their way. Certainly. Uh, let's certainly. see. All right. My next pick Dare I do something strange? Uh, I think I do dare. I think I'm gonna. Uh, I think I'm gonna stay. Take another head pick over a heart pick here. Uh, a franchise that has seen uh, just enormous success and had the kind of staying power that I think you and I both found bewildering. Is uh, this animated? It is animated. I know where you're going. I. Uh, it's a good call. Yeah, I'm picking Ice Age. Yeah, yeah I knew it. Uh, which is like a franchise that made billions of dollars. The the yeah, run run down some sets. The overseas. Yeah, the overseas is really the thing. Movie is absolutely baffling. I uh, so you look at the first Ice Age. I made 176 million dollars here. 383 worldwide. Those numbers are like normal. Uh, good. I mean, they're big. They're good and and very large. But just like the ratio there is correct. Yeah, in 2002, then, it was right at the beginning of the uh, animation boom. Yeah. yeah. Then you look at the sequel, uh, the meltdown. Mm-hmm. 195 domestically. A little bump yep, from the yep. first huge hit. Look at that. 661 million. Big. Big. Worldwide. Big worldwide. Uh, that's like twice as much. Then you look at the third film, which made $196 million, Same which amount is, as the second one. Yeah, it's uh, $1 million more. And then $886 million worldwide. Just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, those international children could not get enough of John Leguizamo. Uh, and who can blame I them? I want you to go to the next one. Okay. Continental uh, Drift. Continental Drift. Fall, We're now 10 years out from the first one. Yeah. Falls off a bit with $161 million, which is still quite good. Yeah, for, uh, for a 10-year-old franchise. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it also made $877 million worldwide. And then even the last one, yeah, the la- flopped. The last one, the end of the franchise, the flop that made $64 million. Domestic. Terrible. Domestic. Less made, than what the second one made in its opening weekend. Yeah, made $408 million. Worldwide, uh, for a total of three point two billion dollars. The disparity between seven ninety three, about eight hundred million domestic, and three point two billion, yeah, worldwide is crazy. It it's insane, and it can, it can't be denied no, that it's just it can't. It's it's I agree. everlasting and beloved. I even agree. even if uh, cynical fools such as you and I would sit around thinking Ice Age Four. <laughs> 
Who's going to watch that? Yeah. Everyone in the world. Just not here. Yeah. I'm going to go with a heart pick. You son of a bitch. I I feel so much better about hoping things fall to me in this draft because especially now that we're kind of getting into the middle here, a lot of these things have pretty uh, pretty similar cases. So what are the odds that what I'm looking at next is exactly what you're looking at next? Apparently pretty fucking high. Why don't you tell everybody what it is? I, I mean, you've already done it. You're doing Austin Powers' right. song with your fucking whistle. Austin you Powers. Uh, short-lived franchise. I still hope we eventually get the fourth. Um, critically, you know, uh, not consistent, but boy, oh boy. Now, let me tell you something. This is a classic example of a word-of-mouth hit. The first one came out in 97. Mike Myers hadn't really done anything a hit in a while. You know, Wayne's World was a very long time ago, early six years earlier or so. Um, makes $54 million. Good reviews, all that kind of stuff. Okay? Yeah. Word of mouth on video. This is right during the DVD boom, right? VHSs are at their peak. DVDs are coming in. Word of mouth on at video stores at Blockbuster propel it to huge numbers. Lionsgate goes, okay, we got to make a sequel then. Because otherwise, you're looking at it with $54 million. You're not making a sequel. Make a sequel, July 99. One of my favorite campaigns... Uh, that summer was the teaser trailer that said, if you see one movie this summer, see Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. If you see two movies this summer, see <laughs> Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. And they did a teaser with him dancing. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. That's just, that's hilarious. And like, we all know you're going to go see Star Wars, but also we're coming out. Um it was the in, original hashtag, you can see both. Enormous hit. Can you imagine a movie making $54 million domestic and then making 206 in the late 90s? It, within two years, is that kind of bump? That's incredible. And then the third one came out, and it makes even more uh, domestically. And um, it's just a huge comedy franchise that he could have milked and decided not to. And worked on, you know, had a family and watched his kid just milked the money from Shrek and everything. Yeah. Um, and at, some, would... at some point, I do want a fourth, but I, I it's, it's a, you know, our nostalgia maybe has taken a hold on it for us. Yeah. But uh, I love those movies and they were huge hits. So there's a lot going for it. Sometimes nostalgia can work. Jackass Forever just came out. There you go. And that was great. I, yeah, I'm very mad that you took that. <laughs> I, <laughs> So now I have to pivot a little bit because there's a franchise that I can't I can't worry uh, or I can't rely on falling to me because maybe you'll take it next. I uh, and I think that <clears throat> the way that this franchise's success has manifested itself is very interesting and might not continue because there's another installment coming out this year. And it'd be hard to keep on the path it's going. Ah, uh, but I want John Wick yeah. uh, for the way that it has grown. The first John Wick, uh, the little little tiny action movie. Keanu Reeves, that's fun. Uh, $43 million, 88 worldwide. People liked it. John Wick 2 comes out. Originally supposed to go to VOD. Really? Not supposed to be a theatrical release. The original John Wick test scores. Uh-huh. Made them go, oh, this might be a thing. Yeah, just like a fun, fun, fun little movie. Open to $14 million, yeah. 
Then the second one comes out. That makes $92 million. Yep. Uh, opening 171 on, worldwide. Opening alongside Fifty Shades of Grey, which also made a buffo amount of money. But what's interesting about that is both are rated and yet that thrived just as well. Yeah. Uh, d- just doubles its money. Yeah. And is is suddenly like, oh, John John Wick. That was a, that's a very... That's like that's I mean that's more than respectable but that's not like a huge op- that's I not like a huge number. I yeah. uh, And then comes John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Parabellum. I uh, and that makes 171 million dollars. Yeah, it, 326 worldwide again like basically doubling its money. It basically it's not yeah, it's not going to continue that. I agree. No, with it's you. it's certainly not going to double its money, uh, but it opened with 50 shades darker and the in the first Lego movie. Okay. Lego Batman movie, sorry. All wrong here. Uh, what's in, what's also notable about John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum is that it opened in the summer. The first one opened in September. Is that right? Uh, October. October. The second one opened in February. Yeah. This is now, you know, and outside of the summer movie season, if you're a smaller kind of big action movie, you can do really well. But put you up with the big leagues, and you suddenly have a lot more competition coming at you. This opened May seventeenth, uh, the fourth weekend of Endgame. Second weekend of Detective Pikachu and rolling right into the uh, the opening weekend of Aladdin the next week. So this yeah. is this had a lot of competition on either side of it. Still pulled it. It up. was and it was huge. And I think that's just very cool. You talk about franchise growth. I think this is kind of your yeah, standard absolutely. bearer. And I think the fourth one will open to more money than the third, but ultimately probably gross less. But we'll see. Okay. We'll see. All right, Noah. I'm going back to horror, but with a sci-fi tinge, I'm taking the Alien franchise All right. here. Fine. Um, I've held on to that long enough. Eight films, not all of them good, but uh, one National Film Registry. The second film is Aliens, which got a Best Actress nomination for Sigourney Weaver, uh, along with uh, a Legacy as one of the great sequels of all time. Alien 3, directed by David Fincher. You got the two uh, Predator films. And then Prometheus, which made $403 million worldwide in 2012. And Covenant, not all great movies, but certainly uh, the first two um, and the way that that franchise has reinvented itself and tried to come back uh, earns it a place on this list. Yeah, I think that is uh, I think that is right and good and would, would have been taken by me shortly. Right, and thank you. I, God, all right. I can't bring myself to take that yet because... And feel a little icky about it, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to a head pick here. I I'm between three, and I think I'm gonna break the tie by picking the franchise that I have uh, any relationship with at all. Uh-huh. I and so I'm going back to animated for Kung Fu Panda. Okay, that's not even on my list. Uh, this is a, a three a three film franchise made five hundred five hundred million dollars one point eight billion worldwide. Are varying degrees of uh, terrific and great. They're yeah, all, they're all really really good. Yeah, three three very well liked movies. Uh, you know the the first one is kind of the peak of success. It made two hundred and fifteen million dollars. Yes. The next uh, the next one made in the middling one hundreds uh, in two and three. I uh, but still like just a a a good a good solid entry in uh, in franchise animation uh great movies jack black was just made for this role yes i uh, sure. and they they pulled in a lot of money and ended uh why why do you suppose they stopped making these 
Uh, they actually announced a fourth one recently. They have a TV show. I mean, you can take a look at the the gross. They just kept going down slightly um, from all of them. But uh, but yeah, they actually announced a fourth one. Jack, okay, Jack's coming back for cool. It, so. All right, I am taking a film that is holding a lot on the shoulders of the first one, which is going to be the case for a lot of these, unfortunately. Uh, but the first one was such a monumental success. This is, this is going to be the one that I couldn't bring myself to take. I can feel it. That I have to take it. It became the biggest comedy of all time. It's Home Alone. Oh, no, it's a different. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, were you thinking of Beverly Hills Cop? Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, three three movies. Obviously, the third one doesn't really count. It did open in theaters. Every, you know, in my mind, that's a direct to video. Uh-huh. It did open in. Th- I probably saw it in theaters. It did open in theaters. Made thirty one million dollars in December of ninety seven. When I tell you how many times I've seen Home Alone three, well, I've seen a bunch. <laughs> Except you didn't know that was Scott Johansson. No, I didn't. Ran, ran. Leroy no, I, I saw that. I saw that movie a million times as a child when I did not know who Scarlett Johansson was. Sure. I still don't really care for the first two. I the third one's great. <laughs> the third, the third, third one worked for me. <laughs> it's got, got a, that guy with that haircut. It's got an RC car. <laughs> yeah, man. With a microchip in it that they're selling to like China or whatever. Um uh, I mean, the third one doesn't really count, but the first one became the biggest comedy of all time, uh, the third biggest film of all time, and the second one w- made a fuckload of money. So yeah. they have to go on this. And plus, they're, both of them are routinely watched over the holidays. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah these, these are still uh, still big standard-bearing films. Uh, yeah, all right. I will, uh, I will segue that into my own... Uh, comedy franchise uh-oh, that is oh i think it's the one relying, that i have next. relying more on the success of the first one but like has has maintained success throughout yes yeah, definitely the one that i god and i like one of these movies and yeah. it's the first ghostbusters yeah, it's exactly the one that i had next. i <laughs> listen this first movie uh is iconic do you remember on... the leroy brown thing or did that go yeah no of course okay. i do the, the parrot thing yeah i I promise you I remember <laughs> everything about Home Alone Except 3. I remember the young woman that's in the movie. I just didn't know who Scarlett Johansson was. Doesn't he have like a Jordan basketball thing? There's like a thing where he sets up the party and he's doing this, but it's like a jo- Or is that in the first one? I No, I think that, I think that is in... Uh, yeah. The first one? No, I think that's in the third yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like in the shower. Yeah, it's a Jordan thing in the shower. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first Ghostbusters is iconic. Get out of here, you pervert, or something. He's like, what is uh, like uncle? He like records his uncle, yeah, saying it, yes. and then he plays it. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I made a shitload of money, pretty much all of it domestically. I yeah, well, I mean, o- overseas then was just not a market. Sure, I and then there's Ghostbusters two, which I don't really know anything about. I <laughs> what do you mean? Have you seen it? I don't know. It's about a haunted painting. Is I, it? Ivan Igo? Ivan the Terrible? Okay. I Ivan Ooze? No. I, then you've got Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which made a bunch of people really mad and was like bad, but not for the reasons they say. Well, they didn't have pieces. Uh, <laughs> pretty successful, though. $128 million, 229 worldwide. I, then you've got Ghostbusters Afterlife, which sucked shit and made me really mad. Uh, and I was right to be mad that time. <laughs> 
I, uh, I, I liked it fine. Yeah. I, what are you going to do? And that made the exact same amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> and but that we're getting one, a sequel. That one revitalized the franchise, whereas Answer the Call was a failure. Right. wonder why. Well, they did you, know, uh, you know who has a big old penis? <laughs> Bill Murray. Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. Big penis. <laughs> Finn Wolf. Finn Wolf. Hard as a rock. Hard cock. Uh, Let's stop talking about that young Why? man. Why? No, stop it. He must be over 18 by this point. Finn, I beg him to be over 18. Finn Wolf down that giant dick of his. He's 20. It's fine. Thank God. It's, fine. it's all okay. Drop it's your fine. pants, Finn. <laughs> I, yeah, Ghost, the first Ghostbusters is really good. Remember when there was only Zool? Yeah, I am Zool. Yeah. I do. All right. I'm sticking with comedies, buddy. Five films, but we're only really going to talk about the four. And that that's, that's, is... That's a good ratio. Scary movie. Yeah, okay. All right. First one was the biggest R-rated opening in history. It was a huge hit. The fo- they followed up in the movie that didn't do so well. So what do you do? You get a new creative team, keep the same uh, lead actress, and suddenly, two years later, boom. Biggest October opening for Scary Movie 3. 110 million domestic huge so obviously they followed up with the fourth one well that one's not going to do very well it's the it's run its race i yes 90 million domestic not that big not as big as third one but biggest bigger easter opening and let me tell you when when scary movie four opened to 40 million dollars everyone shit there we were all like (laughs) holy shit how the fuck did that happen and then you have another one that came out seven years later and everyone's like, no, we're not doing those. And also this is just, Anna's not, Anna's not in it. And no. Yeah. But the consistency of, of, of it bouncing back after two and three and four being huge hits. Crazy. Um, I will go to a franchise that I somehow did not actually list on my big board. I, which in retrospect is dumb because I uh, icons of cinema are important. I oh, I think I know what movie, it is. Movies that are among I only have the, two left on my list, by the way. I so don't, I don't take both. Don't take one of them. All right, I need them. I've got I've got four on my list, and none of them are this. But this should well, be then, taken over doing? all of them. All right, uh, it's uh, just an oversight on my part because in addition to icons of cinema being important, uh, one of the just biggest blockbuster successes of all time you're 1000 percent about to say it's important uh it's and on I'm, the count of three ready yeah one two three the terminator, terminator. yeah uh you know the terminator listed no i didn't i because i think i was just a little too like oh yeah the terminator like that that put out a fourth and fifth movie that made me very sad i which, like, those movies really do have an effect on how I view that franchise. Because yeah. they two, make me very sad. But then you got four against two. Pretty good ratio. Yeah, that's overall. true. You're, I, I, am, I am a Terminator 3 agnostic. Yes. Uh, I don't have an opinion either way, whereas I know that you are on the it's actually good train. Yes. Uh, the first two movies are undeniable. Uh, Dark Fate. Pretty good. Pretty good. Fun little movie. I'd, fun. I'd watch that just at, at any given oh, time. Yeah, like, sure. I'd enjoy putting it on. Uh, but, you know, the, fir- the first Terminator is 
in just incredible and terminator 2 is one of the one of the big one Huge. of the great like the capital g great films 1000% i uh, and i i think it's i think we neither of us should have let it fall this far probably it was on my list no it's not well what else is on your the list the last <laughs> remaining movie on my list noah beverly hills cop okay talk about going after the uh the 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 writing the back of the first one, first Beverly Hills Cop Noah, nineteen eighty four, two hundred and thirty four million dollars domestic, in nineteen eighty four. That's a typo. It must be biggest R rated film in history. Second one comes out three years later, biggest opening of all time, still makes one fifty three. Nobody liked it. Third one comes out, nobody sees it. But that first one. Has a huge pedigree behind it, and so it's just got to be picked for the the stats alone. All right, and now I'm done. I like that. Uh, well, then I will draft <laughs> all the remaining films. <laughs> Takes a lot of the pressure off no, of me. I will. I uh, will. All right. See now, I now I get back into like, can I let that fall to me? Because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play that game. I. And so you might as well, because now I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm worried where that will uh, where that will lead you. I so I am going to go with another piece of persistent iconography here, uh, a franchise that has grossed almost five hundred million dollars worldwide over the course of okay. almost thirty years. I. There are 12 films for one of uh, America's favorite serial killers, uh, Jason Voorhees and the Voorhees clan. Friday the 13th is, you know, it's not it's not Halloween, but so it's not Saw. Correct. (laughs) It is neither of those things. Uh, But, you know, Jason Voorhees is is a, a staple. He is a, an icon and a symbol of horror movies. They made 12 of these things. People sure kept going back did. to see him. I no no one movie here was like a big, no one a big hit. All that power. I, except for, I guess, Freddy versus Jason did pretty well, did pretty but well. it just, it had, it had staying power. It was, they, they kept, they, they kept coming back for more effective. And that's uh, and the mask. It's really just going to be the mask. <laughs> You're picking it because of the mask. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Gee, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough, isn't it? It is tough. It's tough. It's tough. Can't it's deny tough. that it's, it's tough. tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. There's so, there's still some juicy stuff sitting tough, on the board. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's uh, you know, we've already started taking franchises juicy. that are carried by. Uh, one of their films. Yeah. And there's one of those sitting out there. Uh, there's some, there's some good heart picks. Some good heart picks left. Uh, you know what? We have the other one. So I'm taking, uh, the last remaining horror icon. Okay. Nightmare on Elm Street. All right. Listen, it's not the biggest moneymaker, but Freddy Krueger is arguably the most famous horror villain. Um, I feel like a lot of times when you ask people, uh, especially people who grew up in the 80s, who who did you have nightmares about? It was Freddy Krueger. 
Uh, also, I think the movies have been consistently good or average. Or, well, no. On average, the movies have been okay to good. And uh, it's Freddy. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I think it deserves yeah. a place on this list. Yeah, no. I th- it's I an think iconic brand. And I... It really deserves some new life here. We haven't gotten a new Friday the thir- Nightmare on Elm Street movie in too long. I agree. I think there's especially especially in this uh, in this kind of era of horror where yes. things are funny now. You know who I would like to see take on the franchise? Christopher Landon. Okay. That's who I would like to see do a Friday the Thir- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I for the the listeners at home who might not recognize the name, he's the gentleman who did Happy Death Day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Freaky. Yeah. And uh, I think that with his sensibility, give him an R rating, tell him to make it brutal, but with his sense of camp and humor, I think we got a winner. And yeah. also, we already got our Nancy. Sure. That would... It's got to be Jessica. So why can't I remember her name? Uh, she played Tree. She's so good, though. And we always mention how fucking Jessica Route Route Roth. I don't know, man. Come on. We always talk about how good she is. And she is good. Jessica Routh, R is it Routh? Yeah, Routh, R O T H E. Okay, Routh. Uh, Ruta. Uh, R O T H E. Yeah, I'd probably say Roth. All right, Jessica Routh. I, I like that pick. I think James Wan would make a great Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, he would. He uh, would. You know, we saw Freddy versus Jason. Uh, how about Freddy versus Megan? I mean, that'd be incredible. everyone's talking about Chucky versus Megan, which is like boring because a, she would slap the shit out of him. Uh, and yeah, for, yeah, for sure. All right. That'd be great. Uh, I, I feel a little guilty cause I feel like I'm taking this franchise from you. Really? But uh, I, said, I said, okay, go ahead. I, it's, yeah, it's a thing that it's a thing that I like, but is certainly you have more of a relationship yeah. with American pie than I do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was about to whistle. This bed is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I this was at first just a uh, a quick uh, quick hit, short lived, uh, ninety nine to two thousand three series of successful good movies. I uh, just hundred million dollars, hundred fifty, hundred million dollars. Uh, everyone had a good time. We got in. We got out. Uh, this is what uh, comedy movies used to be. And then, like, one of the early legacy sequels in American Reunion. Yes, absolutely. Which, which did okay. I mean, it, yeah. It made it made only $50 million compared to, like, the 100 yes. baseline of the first three movies. But it still made $235 million big, worldwide. Big overseas. Yeah, and they were talking about a sequel for a while uh, from it that never happened. Um, the first one... 1999 summer was a big year for teasers. That one uh, started famously with Empire Magazine released a list of the 10 most anticipated movies of summer 99. On that list were Star Wars and da da da. But down at the bottom is American Pie and then it was the teaser. Okay. So they did the same thing. Yeah. It's very similar. Um, yeah, no, that had great... That, that also seemed to be a movie that very quickly defined the voice of that generation. Do you know what I mean? I think, the, I, sure. think I think teens in 1999 and 2001 saw that film and went, yes, that's how we talk. That's what we think. That's what we act like. Uh, and they really latched onto it. 
Yeah. It's a good pick. It, well, I would have picked it eventually. All right. Well, what are you going to pick now? Um, I've got two geared up. You got two Richard geared up. I'm going to... I just don't want to keep picking uh, horror. It's just like boring. Borer? It is borer. Well, it's either horror or animation. I mean, there's a few other stragglers, but... All right. Oh, you know what I'll take? I'll take Rush Hour. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good call. Speaking of like 2001, what was American Pie 2's release date in uh, 2001? American Pie August 2 10th. came out August 10th. Do you 2001. know why I knew that? I do. I knew it was the 10th. How many days are in a week? Seven. So, what was the week before? August third, which is when Rush Hour 2 came out. Damn. Um. Yeah. Two huge hits. Two movies that opened over forty million dollars. And I remember I I wasn't really following box office at that time, but if a year or so after that, when I did, I would like read the past articles about box office stuff. People were like, "Holy shit!" Um. Yeah. I mean, the first one made an incredible one forty one, like with those two stars, and then the second one just exploded. Two twenty six is crazy, and it was a huge, huge hit. Number five movie of all the movies that year. I love the Rush Hour movies. Well, they're, they're, in hindsight, they're not that good, but I love <laughs> the Rush Hour movies. That's perfectly fair. Um, I am going to take a franchise that I think is hindered by the fact that it is uh, going to be in purgatory Uh-oh. for the foreseeable future. But We have a couple of... Uh, I wish so-and-so wasn't in charge of that. I... Yeah, but you know, oh, you want to talk about a John Wicky and Rise. Yeah. Uh the Bad Boys franchise yeah, yeah. has gone from sixty six million dollars to hundred and thirty eight million dollars to two hundred and six million dollars sure seventeen years later. My my one hang up with that the reason why I didn't take it earlier was just the budget is just too that they spent so much on that second one. Sure. But absolutely this last one was just like a huge surprise hit and it's such a shame. What happened? Whatever they spent on Bad Boys 2 was worth it. It's such a shame what happened. Because the can you imagine if they the fourth one they put in like a prime like July he's back on July fourth uh-huh. with the new Bad Boy. He wins an Oscar. He's primed with July fourth for Bad Boys Four. I mean, it would just print money. It would make more it could it could reach like three hundred. It was it would be such a shame. If only he hadn't made that attempt on Chris Rock's life. It's such a shame. I, yeah, it really is. I, one day people will realize, right, that, like, it's, it's fine. I don't know. Studios have to first. It's fine. Adrian Brody sexually assaulted someone at the Oscars, and he that's got, a good point. He got cast in Predators. No, that was charming. That was charming. I, he was so excited. It was charming. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've, I've already podcasted about my feelings on Will Smith yeah. a few times, and then at the Oscars that one time, and maybe we'll do it again later. I, but I, I, ha, I have Bad Boys, which is very successful and good. All right, I'm going back to the animation field. No, I'm taking Madagascar. Yeah, that's that was one of those things that was on my list, and then I, I didn't pick because like know, I've never seen any of those movies. Saw, you haven't seen any of them. 
Now, aside from the uh, the Penguins of Madagascar, which I'm sure is fine, like it got 74 on Rotten Tomatoes. These movies got better and better as they went along to the point where I uh, I saw the first one, I saw the second one in theaters, I waited to see the third one, and it was the best one. It was great. It was a ton of fun, lively, colorful. Fucking uh, Francis McDormand is the villain. She was like a French cop, like incredible. Okay. Um, and they were an enormous success. Uh, they cost a lot because that's back when you would spend a lot on uh, animated films, uh, presumably because the DVD sales would be huge. But um, just an enormous amount of money. And the third one making uh, seven forty seven and like very quietly making becoming the highest grossing movie of the franchise in summer of 2012 is uh, pretty incredible because I don't think a lot of people realize that it's not talked about. Yeah. I, yeah, it was a very, it was a very successful franchise. It has been sitting on my, uh, on my big board for a while here. And I just, I wish I'd, I wish I'd had any relationship at all. And I would have picked it cause it's a great pick. What do you got? Instead, I'm going to pick a franchise that will not be the only member of my team that's uh, entirely based on the success and quality of the first movie. Uh, oh and I do mean entirely. Oh, boy. Uh, the Blair Witch Project. Woo! Is... I watched all three of these in October. Can't the f- wait to show you the third one, the <laughs> second one. The first one is incredibly good and good. one of the great success stories in the history of cinema it is good uh and then they made two more movies and they made here's here's something i will say they tried real hard on that third one it was a that, great idea it was a great idea and also the fact that so the first one came out in 99 and then 2000 and then 2016 which i think shows that even though the second one sucked and failed and then the third one sucked and failed there's still an enduring uh, want and legacy of this franchise. What are you basing that on? Uh, that they made another one 16 years later. Okay. Uh, despite the already making a sequel and it being a calamity. Uh, and then the next one was also a calamity, and so maybe that's it. But maybe they'll take another shot in five years. Sure. And maybe that one will hit because they'll get a, someone to make a good movie. Do I take the numbers game here? Do I take the one that we're both like, I don't know. I mean, you got two picks left. Uh, Do I take the one that just number-wise makes so much sense? You could. Uh, I'm going to be making at least one pick that's numbers-based. So, like, like, feel free. We're just not into maybe someone involved with it to the point where we had debated on previous drafts to even include their movies that might be consideration. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not picking that numbers game. I know. I, I'm pretty sure I know what you mean here. Uh, I'll I'll highlight it on the board. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want, (laughs) I, would you have picked it? No, And it's because but of maybe who's that's involved. why I keep losing these tournaments. And it's because of who's involved. Partially, know. also, I just mean I, th- I don't, I don't know those movies that well. If I'm making well, a, a worldwide number, it's huge. Yeah, there are bigger ones left. I don't know if there are. Are there? There's at least two. That have a bigger worldwide number. No, yeah. Never mind. I. Yeah. 
I know, but this one of them is like just they're all garbage. Down, pick. All right, pick the Danny Glover franchise then. No, I don't want to. I'm gonna pick a, a franchise that has carried on legacy wise on television. Okay, which is also Lethal Weapon, but that, that shows not on anymore. Uh, I'm taking We're talking the, about Lethal Weapon. I'm taking the Karate Kid. Okay, sure. That show, Cobra Kai, just announced for its final season. Very, very popular. And uh, $85 million budget total, collected 440 I mean, huge. And it had a very big legacy spinoff that it still shocks me, and I think it's such a bummer that they did not make a sequel because it just primed for it. I mean, the casting of Jackie Chan as Mr. Miyagi is one of, like, a top 10 inspired casting choices of the modern era. I mean, yeah. What fits more better than that, you know? So, there you go. Yeah, and then you could have gotten uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named to participate in a sequel to that movie in the future. Yeah, we didn't until... say Will Smith. <laughs> well, maybe you feel comfortable about it. I'd, I'd like to go to heaven. Okay, <laughs> sure. I... That's what's stopping you. <laughs> no, I think it's actually my fervent support of Will Smith that's stopping me. All right, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, I'd like to have taken... That's the one that they're all bad. That's the one I was talking about where I was like, but they're all shitty. Yeah, and that's that's not wrong, but it's uh, it's kind of like, it's not like the Saw of action because they made a hundred Saws and they made three of these. But I still think the sensibilities of Taken, mm-hmm. I made Liam Neeson the biggest action star of the 2010s somehow. I was just a huge cultural hit. Uh, the first and second ones were both huge successes. Uh, made basically the same amount of money, except the second one made an extra hundred million, hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide. Uh, and then the third one, which made way less money, except still made over three hundred million dollars worldwide. And there's a there's an appetite for these. I'm kind of surprised they stopped at three. Uh, it's probably because well, it made significantly less than the others. Yeah, I mean it. It was yeah that that's the problem domestically it made significantly less on their balance sheets it still did just fine but even even the sort of craven people in the hollywood studios have a certain threshold for how bad a movie can be and still like come back and we're like we're doing another one anyway and Taken 3, I think, fell below that threshold. But oh, quality is not everything, I as they say. I do not know what to pick, my friend. It's your, final, it's your final pick. I know. There's an animated one that's just, like, ripe with numbers to be sure. like, that's the one to take. There's I'd a say there's one, two of them. There's one that's, like, not a blockbuster franchise, but is, like, very near and dear to our hearts. But it's just not a blockbuster franchise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I've I've passed up on on that one as there's, well. There's one that is just like from the '80s that I have no interest in. That like doesn't have a cultural footprint now, and feels just so dated. And then there's one that's like fun and made a decent amount of money and has a little bit of a fun story behind it and and stuff. And like, do I just take that one because it's fun? You do. You take the fun one. I'm taking Final Destination then. All right. Yeah, I think I think I think that's right. It was either that or look who's talking. And I mean, listen, Final Destination, you know, not huge numbers, 
domestically, 263 on bud- combined budget, a, a 154, but 657 worldwide. Uh, the first one made 53, second one made 47, domestic 54. The Final Destination, 66, and then uh, 42. Not huge numbers, but overseas, they made money. They're just fun, inventive movies. And my favorite part of this, uh, the best-reviewed film was the last one, Final Destination 5. Critics were like, hey, they did a great job here, Um, and that's a lot of fun. That is very unusual. Yeah. Uh, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes for Final Destination 5. Yeah, that's cool. Those are, those are fun movies. I think that was the right pick. What do you got, I... buddy? You can't pick Evil Dead. We want no, to, I know. I, you can't. I can't. I can't pick Evil Dead. You're absolutely right. I, I'm. I can't really pick that either. If, if, I... if are you? If you're deciding between two animateds, I am. Okay. Is it between, like the are they 1.4 billion worldwide? Yeah. Okay. I say do the unconventional one. I mean, that's the one that's on my that's been on my big board. Is it since this the one beginning. I just highlighted? Yeah, it. it's it's a smaller studio. They cost less, and like the success, the 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 um, consistency is more interesting. Yeah, I was looking at that I, too. I was not considering picking cars here. Okay, uh, it was either I pick the numbers one, which is my pick, which is Hotel Transylvania, yeah, or I convince myself to pick something else this is this is really just another case of i have not seen these movies uh i i I get the gist sure in that adam sandler is a cranky vampire he's dracula uh, yeah and he's got a young daughter who is uh more vivacious it it is essentially like sandler's crew doing it because like kevin james is in it and schneider like they're all in it sure it is like what if we made an animated movie but the humor is not the same but yeah uh, and yeah, it's this is a it's a franchise that made a, basically one hundred and fifty million dollars three times, huge hit worldwide, one hundred one point four billion dollars. I you want to hear something shocking about it? I do. I'd like to be shocked. Uh, so very consistent, right? The last one made the most money worldwide. Yes. Okay. Uh, a fourth and final installment, Hotel Transylvania Transformania was sold to Amazon Studios from Sony. It was supposed to be released theatrically October 1st, 2021. They sold it to him for $100 million, and it was released January 14th of this year on Amazon. Just money on the table. Sony. $100 million? You couldn't... You could, I mean, it's possible that with marketing and shit, they may not have cleared that theatrically, but it keeps the franchise a lot. I just, it's, it's crazy to me to leave that money on the table. These movies have made 350 and then 475 and 528 million dollars. All right, worldwide. so let's it costs 75 million to make, right? Okay. Let's say they spend 150 on marketing. Okay. And the last one made what? 528. All right, so let's say even this one makes like 400 cuz they did it due to the rising of the Delta variant. Sure. So let's say this makes four hundred. So you're still looking at one seventy five. It's like two twenty five. One fifty yeah. plus seventy five is two twenty five. Yes, it is. So yeah, four hundred. You're still looking at one seventy five profit. Yeah, I agree. 
as, as opposed to the it's, 25 because you already had to make it yeah so you, you make 25 million dollars or you make yeah. 200 million dollars and you're giving a lot of that to the cast because they're no longer getting back end points you gotta yeah. pay them out so yeah it's it was an insane decision and like it wasn't like sometimes when you think of that you're just like oh the movie must have been bad right uh-huh. Uh, no, it has like a 49 on Rotten Tomatoes, 5.2. Metacritic has it at a 46. Yeah, I mean, that is not a Taken 3 level bad. Right, and is... the other ones were at like what? The other Transylvanias. Let's see. I have them at uh, 44, 55, 62. Yeah, uh, so we're all in that range. Yeah. So it's not even that like, oh, this one's a stinker. It's not going to make money. Like, it's just it's crazy to me that, that that's what they did. But that's what they did. All right, so let's quickly go over the, 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 the films that we didn't pick uh, and say a goodbye to films such as Cars, the franchise of Cars. Yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry, it, you cost too much and your legacy's not great. Uh, Crocodile Dundee, that was one I was referring to when I said too much in the 80s. Feels yeah. like a product of its time. Um, uh, Dumb and Dumber. You know, the first one was a hit. Third one made okay money. Second one didn't have any of the people. Just not going to do well in these categories. Evil Dead made money compared to your budget, but you're just not a blockbuster franchise. We love yeah. you, though. The Expendables, just not big enough for me, based on the criteria. Here. I agree. Uh, uh, has Fallen series, the Olympus, Angel, London, and Angel um, you know, decent money makers. They're making a fourth. They said they're making three others in a TV show that has no news on that since. Uh, they are making another one at least. And yeah, numbers are just too small. Yeah. Consistent, but you've gotta too small. Ha- you got to you got to have principles. Uh, <laughs> insidious. Uh, numbers are there for sure, but it seems like on a lower, especially with the fourth one making more than the third. Is that correct? It is correct. Yeah, fourth one was a big hit in January. Kind of revitalized the, oh, horror movies can make actual money in January, which we now see with Megan yeah. and such. Um, but just not big enough. Uh, I took the Karate Kid. Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson. Uh, Look Who's Talking. First one was an enormous hit. What's the what's the stats on the fourth one? Uh, the first one. Is there any milestones I have on there? Uh, it was the number three film of 1989. Okay, that's huge. It made yeah. like 140 something. It made 140. That's huge in 1989. But the other ones didn't make any money and were uh, critically trashed. Yes. Like the third one's critic scores are what? It's uh, got a 26 on Metacritic and it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you don't get a lot of those. Magic Mike's only been two so far, just not that big for us. Uh, and I'm speaking out of turn. If you have another reason, be feel free to say it. No, that's fine. Predator, um, not big movies. There's only two initially, and then Predators and the Predator just didn't make enough money. Yeah. If Prey was included in that franchise, then maybe, but they should, they alas. Should, this August was dead for movies. They should have released Prey in theaters. Yeah. It would have made money. Uh, the Purge, very consistent Thought with their grosses. Very consistent, but just not big enough. Um uh, Spy Kids also consistent, especially with the 3D boom, right? For three, three made more than three made the most money of all of them. It, no, the first one made one twelve. Three made the most movie money overall. Okay. Uh, the first one made an extra million dollars domestically, and then even the fourth one worldwide, right? Uh, yeah, the fourth one made eighty five worldwide, which yeah, is decent money. Yeah, uh, just yeah. not significant enough of a franchise. Step Up, people love the Step Up franchise. That just continued to go down. Um, the, the, the last one made like 65 million or something, but still, uh, and then unbreakable 
just not there numbers wise or legacy wise. For I, me. I thought, I thought about unbreakable. I feel like that's a big part of the, uh, Shyamalan Renaissance. Oh, for and sure. Glass, especially uh, split. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it didn't, didn't quite get there for me, but I, I think it has a case. Hey folks, that was our draft. And usually I would try to trick you by thinks acting like we had just finished recording that draft. We didn't. And it would have worked because, as always, it would have been seem. If it wasn't for you meddling kids. Um, no, we, reco- we recorded. <laughs> Sorry, go on. We recorded the drafts uh, a few weeks ago because we knew that we would have a lot of movies to watch. Too many, as it turns out. And we've amended our, our stance on that. We'll talk about that next uh, two weeks from now. But um, in doing, I spent a lot of time. <laughs> researching this tournament you did and i i want i want to take this time to uh to shout out publicly uh just like the tremendous amount of research that goes into these things on your end and uh just just well well done for for many for many years thank you it's an overwhelming uh amount of stats that uh might be uh tedious like just not relevant but i do it anyway and I was going through our matchups, and I realized we were missing. And I, I, I went through the list of franchises like twice, and there's a lot of them. Um, Over a hundred that have been out there that, that and, we ended up considering. Uh, I missed one crucial one, and I wonder if anyone noticed it this week. When we we're talking about original franchises. It was, of course, the Matrix films that I was doing uh, our collage actually of. Um, of uh, uh, movies, and I don't know what collage I was on. Maybe the John Wick thing I was on. I was like, all right, well, I got to keep this away from the other Keanu one. And I was like, wait, there is no Keanu one. <laughs> so I texted Noah and I said that we don't have the Matrix on here. We need to, right? And he said, yes, we do. So I uh, I looked at we looked at our list and uh, where it would fit, and we both agreed that. Um, it would probably be around the four, five, or six. I said I would probably still have picked Despicable Me at five, and Noah said that I definitely would have taken it at six. We shuffled some things around. Um, we got rid of uh, what did we get rid of? Final Destination. I oh God, and yet we watched my... that movie. No, my, no, it wasn't Final Destination. My last pick was something else. It, the Hotel Transylvania. Yes, you're right. I Thank think you. is what good it call, was. Good call. Um. And so, yeah, the Matrix is in. Don't worry about it. It really sucked when I was putting the matchups together because I would just copy. I, I had every step possible for our draft, and then I was putting them into the matchups. Yeah. And then I was, so I was just copying and pasting a lot of it or just, like, condensing stats. And then I was like, wait, I don't have any Matrix stats. <laughs> I have to do all of that. Son of a bitch. Um, uh, so it's all taken care of. He And we are doing... Um, the original matchups start in two weeks. So the first matchups we're doing next week is the adapted draft. We're going to complete our bracket. Uh, we're going to pick the other half of it, the 32 adapt- adaptation franchises we're doing the week after, which is actually the first weekend in March. We will then be doing once March has started, multiplex madness starts and we are doing uh, the first matchups, which are these. So here are the matchups in two weeks that will kick off the tournament proper. The one seed Star Wars takes on the 32nd seed Taken. 
this is the first time Noah's hearing this. I think the the two seed is that true? The two seed Rocky takes yeah. on the thirty first seed Final Destination. The three seed Toy Story takes on the thirtieth seed The Blair Witch Project. Indiana Jones will take on The Karate Kid. Despicable Me takes on Bad Boys. The Matrix will take on Madagascar. Halloween will battle American Pie. Saw will battle Rush Hour. It'll be Paranormal Activity versus Friday the 13th. And in a bit of kismet, this is a big Paranormal Activity against Friday the 13th. And right behind it, Scream versus A Nightmare on Elm Street. That, that, that's very Horror cool. matchups yeah. right against each other. Back to the Future takes on The Terminator, The Hangover against Beverly Hills Cop, which is fascinating because um, The Hangover overtook Beverly Hills Cop as the highest grossing comedy. Ah. Oh. Uh, Austin Powers takes on Ghostbusters, which is very Terrific. interesting. Terrific. Ice Age will face off against Scary Movie, the Alien franchise against Kung Fu Panda, and John Wick against Home Alone. And those are our matchups in two weeks. Anything else I needed to mention here? I uh, no, that uh, that was very uh, very succinctly done. All right, then plug us up. This was a huge episode. Certainly was. You can find us at whatsintheboxoffice.com. We are on Twitter at WitboxOffice. Uh-huh. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drew. I'm at Brian Deserber, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. I'm also on Letterbox at that same handle. Just gave three stars to a nightmare on Elm Street. Wonderful. Uh, of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are four on star, Four star rating system. Four star rating system. Letterbox is five. Right. Uh, give us five stars on all those platforms. Yeah, that's the only time where I, I like four star, five stars. Yeah, when it applies to us. us. Yeah, give us as many stars as you're allowed to. Uh, and uh, the end. The end. Next week, uh, also a big episode. Yeah. All, all of our episodes for the next many weeks are going to be big episodes. Until the Oscars, and then Strap it just becomes in. mostly big. Sure, yeah. Then not, it's just one extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But next week, the worst films of the year. We're only doing the top five, um, mainly because worst films of the year has fallen out of favor. Uh-huh. People are like, why are we being negative? It's kind of fun. Um, and we also just, it's a long podcast. Yeah. I've I've also, in the most more recent years, just like, Stopped seeing as many bad, movies. truly dog shit movies. Yeah. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, Amsterdam? Tune in next week. Um, all right, that is going to be it uh, for us next week. Adaptation draft, war stuff, going to be fun. Also, does Cocaine Bear make any money? No, maybe. Uh, maybe <laughs> if Cocaine Bear makes over fifteen million dollars, I'll be shocked. Um, that's all next week. This has been What's in the Box Office. I have been your host, Brian. And I've been your host, Noah. We'll see you next week. And until then, go see a movie.